My soul is in the south, so even as thunder rumbles across the skies, my spirit keeps me going. My flood insurance helps me stay. Protect your property with flood insurance. Visit floodsmart.gov. So that way we can let Bill WD-40 into the room, so that way he can lube us up for tonight's show. You always want to go into a show nice and smooth, and that's what we get Bill WD-40 in there for. All right, let's continue on here. We got 30 seconds before we're going to launch, and I'm excited about this one. Anytime Ian Holt is here, I get a little little bit more energized, you know, because not only is he a May 24th birthday, but he's a Yankee fan as well, and you know, we just get along like brothers. And uh, uh, Debster, thank you for the super chat. And we're going to get going here, guys. You know what that means. Throw those horns up. And let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us, will you, at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We're going to take a roll into movie land tonight as Ian Holt brings in his crew, Mike and Mike, from the movie From the Shadows, Horror and Suspense. It's a topic that I love, what we don't do a lot of here often on the show. So a little change of speed tonight. Then in hour number three, Steve Stockton will join us from Among the Missing with another creepy story. After that, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio returns for The Cryptid Report. All right. I'm happy to reintroduce Ian Holt. He has been a longtime friend and supporter of Spaced Out Radio. And, you know, up until this year, we did all the May 24th birthday shows with Ian because his birthday was May 24th as well. Ian has been in the movie business for the last 20-plus years making horror and suspense films. His latest comes out called From the Shadows, and it's a good one. Anything Ian touches is going going to freak you out. It's going to have a paranormal aspect to it. So what do you say? We get right to it here. And Ian Holt, it's been a while since we had you on Spaced Out Radio, my friend. Good to have you back. It's good to be back. I'm so glad to be here. And especially, um, you know, with this film, because it's inspired by you and your show and all we do and all we talk about on here. I'm glad to have you here. And who do you have with us tonight, my friend? I have the director of From the Shadows, Mike Sargent. 
and the screenwriter, Mike Kuchiak, who is also the screenwriter and director and co-producer of our other film that's out right now, Death Metal. Very cool, very cool. Gentlemen, Mike and Mike, thank you for joining us on Spaced Out Radio for the first time. Got to be hard working with a guy like Ian because the one thing Ian is very good at is talking. So I can just imagine when you say quiet on the set, how hard that would be, Mike. Uh, yes, it is very hard, let me just say. I think Cooch can concur. Sure. <laughs> but uh, Ian is so filled, uh, filled with knowledge that, uh, you know, <laughs> Ah, yes. yes. It comes out of her every order. Oh, he sent you money, too, to say that? Okay. (laughs) It comes drippingly off the tongue. You know, one of of the aspects that, uh, you know, you guys are having to deal with being in the movie scene right now is what is grabbing people's attention? There's a lot of politics in movies right now, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We we know the writer's strike is going on. How have you guys, Ian, been able to to battle through this this political correctness that we're seeing a lot in in movies today and this political side of, of what is happening with the writer's strike? Well, um, I think, well, it started with the COVID. That's where it really all started. That's where this film came from, that we designed the film to be able to shoot it around COVID. So that was the first problem we had. As far as, um, you know, uh, anything about, you know, politically correctness or all that, you know, we didn't really worry about that. You know, we just wanted to make a good old-fashioned horror film that was going to scare people and make them think. And... um, you know, we decided, you know, when we, we when we wrote the script, we decided to put um, no, like, preset character looks or anything. We we cast completely on who was the best actress for the part and got a really great diverse cast. And, you know, I don't – I've always done that. So I don't think that anything that they're doing today and that PC woke that stuff makes me do anything different than I've done, you know, no, and I and I and I can appreciate that, but you know, I mean, the I guess the reason why I brought that up is I, I watch a lot on YouTube, social media. You know, it's part of my job. I kind of have to. And you see, you know, like what's happening. With, I know you guys are in a totally different genre than something like Disney, where Disney's taking a lot of heat for, for the little remake of The Little Mermaid and the remake of, of uh, Snow White and the seven people, not the dwarves, because we're not allowed to say that anymore. You know, right. and, you know, for, for what is going on, I mean, how tough is it right now to try and get – any type of film going, you know, not only with budget, but with screen time, because everything is also getting so expensive these days. Well, that was one of the real neat tricks that Mike Sargent and Cooch worked on with me. I mean, we were able, we made this film in conjunction with Fairleigh Dickinson College and their film school. So in the midst of COVID, we were able to create a film you know, at a at a low budget, by working with the school and giving a bunch of young artists uh, who were out of work or couldn't find work if they graduated, we gave them their first jobs. So we actually hired all the grad students and worked with the film department, and they gave us the cameras and sets and locations. And Cooch worked and wrote it, and Mike Sargent came up with a devilish plan of how to shoot it so that we could 
There's the, the center core of the movie is a interrogation of these interview interrogation of these five people that survived this fire who they believe there was something paranormal. And our star Selena Andrews from WandaVision, she interviews, she's interrogating them and interviewing them to get to the truth of what happened. And Mike Sargent put it together so we shot 63 pages of dialogue, the whole interviews, in one day. So it was as real as it could get, the interactions in the back and forth. It was so that, you know, everyone came together to try and find a way to do this on the on a small budget because we had 795 effect shots, which is some major Marvel movies have that many. Mm, that, that is amazing. And, and, you know, the idea, Ian, the one thing I love about your films, and we've talked about this over the years, you always try to have some sort of paranormal flair to it because I know you are a big fan of the genre that we broadcast, which is paranormal, supernatural, cryptids, monsters, and everything to go along with that. Why do you always try and have that tie-in? Because that's what fascinates me. You know, um, I always, I mean, I think you have to write about or do things that that interest you. And, you know, how many times are you going to see a guy with a knife just go out and kill people? You know, if you could find a new angle on it, you know, something different. And I think the more, as we've, you know, over the years we've been doing this show, you know, look at the advancement in what's come out about UAPs and and, and, you know, all, all, you know, the ancient alien show has gone to number one. And, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming cutting edge. Like when you watch us, uh, paranormal court on video, there's so many shadow people in that. We'd like shadow people and we like the ancient aliens theory. We took a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B to create something new that we haven't seen. And Coochie brought in the cult aspect and Mike Sargent brought in so much of, of, of his sci-fi, great, great sci-fi knowledge. Mike Sargent is a, is a huge sci-fi buff. Mike Sargent, uh, you know, have you had experiences with the paranormal before or just on film? You mean other than Ian? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a big paranormal story yeah, on its own uh, right there, my man. Funny. No, well, you <laughs> know, you're quick on the draw with that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, no, you know, I, my experience with the paranormal, I'm similar to what Ian says. I'm, I'm fascinated by the paranormal. I mean, I think the more quote unquote advanced we become, the more we realize we don't really know and we really don't know about the past. And so what's really fascinating about ancient aliens, about pyramids, about it's because we really just don't know. We, we have ideas, but we really don't know. And not only that, at a certain point, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised you know, if this fall, you know, the aliens landed and said something. But we're in a place where uh, not would I say anything's possible, but at this point, there's a lot of things that are possible. So we wanted to show like, well, what if there are a lot of things we tie together that sort of answer questions that have been suggested by a lot of those shows that Ian mentioned? Mm hmm. Okay, and and what about it? What about this genre, the paranormal genre, kind of excites you that you want to put in front of the camera, Mike? Well, again, I like the idea of the unknown. I also like the idea of people going after. You know, our two main characters are, are essentially scientists who 
originally were trying to do something scientific, but then they get co-opted by the power that they discover. And they both are co-opted, but they don't see it. They then see themselves as enemies. One thinks, well, I'm doing the right thing. The other one thinks, well, I'm doing the right thing. And, you know, I think that that's fascinating. I think that that's interesting because no good villain actually thinks that they're a villain. So I think that that's part of it, too. Mike Kuchiak, let's bring you in here for for a second here. I mean, building a movie with these guys, you know, I mean, I, I could tell right now it's got to be not only a lot of fun, but a lot of imagination running around trying to figure out what fits and what won't. Yeah, we kind of built this project a little from the starting place of what kind of movie we could get made and then walk backward from there in terms of uh, storytelling. Because, uh, I mean, again, we shot this during COVID. So we had uh, a very stringent you know, uh, production situation. It had to be very contained. Uh, we couldn't go on and off set. We had to figure out exactly what kind of story we could tell within those parameters. So it was, uh, I, I saw a movie called Host. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's uh, basically shot all during COVID. It's six kids, and they have a seance over a Zoom call, basically. And uh, it goes awry, and the demon gives them a hard time. And uh, it struck me, though, that that's... Well, I mean, if there's a movie that can be done during COVID, it's something like that, where everyone's on a call like we are on right now, and something horrible is happening. So I thought, well, I mean, Host has just done ghosts, you know, demons, basically. Uh, we've seen Unfriended, which did a ghost, you know, what's a version of the story that we haven't quite seen before? And uh, I reached out and I thought, you know, a slasher. You know, we haven't seen uh, something where everyone's on a call like this and there's a dude popping up behind them and stabbing them to death. But then you start getting to the story of it. It's like, all right, well, how, how was he finding them? What's the situation where they're all on this call? Why don't they just all just get up and leave and run away? X, Y, Z. So then you start going, well, what if there's a supernatural element to it? And, uh, all right, well, maybe they can't leave because if they do leave before they accomplish X, Y, Z thing, then they'll die anyways. So it's like, all right, well, if they're in five different places and this guy's tracking them down one by one, uh, you know, and there's a supernatural element, you know, what does that look like? And I had seen, there's an old movie from the 80s called uh, Bad Dreams in which uh, a young woman is, uh, we open and she's a part of a cult. And they set the house and all of themselves on fire and like a mass called suicide. And she's the only survivor of that. And uh, the A story of that film is she's in a, a mental hospital and she's dealing with, you know, the cult leader keeps showing up in her dreams. And, you know, we're kind of left to wonder, is she hallucinating or is this guy actually haunting her? And so it's like, all right, well, maybe it's something like that. Uh, someone is interviewing some survivors of a cult suicide thing that somehow went awry we have these survivors and uh, all right, well, why would someone want to kill them? And then we think, all right, well, maybe they were trying to do something that this collectively, that this, that also has some supernatural power to it. And this guy wants to make sure that it doesn't get done no matter what. And uh, for a little bit, like we tossed around like fairly standard, like kind of you know, demon, you know, Satan type stuff. And that felt very played out. It felt very uh, hackneyed, I guess would be the term. So it's like then I started throwing around uh, Lovecraftian ideas. You know, what if it's more about uh, they were trying to tap into an extra dimensional power 
And uh, then I started thinking of From Beyond. Uh, so what if their cult leader has a thing where he does a thing where it's like the resonator, he's weakening the barriers between our dimension and the other dimension. He doesn't know what he's really doing, what he's playing with. And these kids are just kind of going along for the ride because it feels like, uh, yay, we're going to change the world with this amazing power. And, uh, you know, it's very hippie-ish and whatnot, but they have no idea that what's on the other side is very uh, dark and dangerous. So it is kind of a weird setup where, uh, on the one hand, we have these kids and they're trying to figure out what happens to them. And our protagonist, uh, Almora, played by Selena Deuce, is doing the interview with them. She's the investigative reporter, and she is very much like you, sir, in the sense that, like, she is kind of in the world of the paranormal, uh, you know, X, Y, Z, but she's kind of on the demunking side. So that's why these kids go to her, because they're just like, if anybody's going to, you know, believe what we say, it's going to be if she is the ultimate skeptic and she believes us, then, you know, there's, there's no choice in the matter. Everyone will believe us. So uh, that's how we get a situation where... Uh, and again, we come full circle. Now we have a dude popping up behind them with a knife. There's a guy uh, who's a former uh, partner professor of our cult leader who wants to, who thinks that the guy who was the head of the cult was up to no good. And he's trying to go about ending this threat to the world in uh, murderous ways. So kind of the mystery of it is like, was the cult leader actually good and just perhaps misguided? Is a guy who's going around and murdering them with a knife? Perhaps does he have like an ultimately dark but noble intention? Uh, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of a a mashup of ideas, and um, you know that we're we're hoping that that gives this project like something of its own feel. So it's not quite you know a hundred percent one thing or another. It is like kind of a mashup of ancient aliens and Lovecraft. And uh, there's a little bit of slasher movie in there, and there's the sci-fi elements, and we get into meta- metaphysics and uh, psychotronic. I get a lot of scares. <laughs> it's very scary, you know. So, so I, that's that's ultimately the idea. Is like uh, we want to give you something that is thought-provoking. You know, it's not just you know, dude is you know, kids are getting stabbed with a knife. It's because I mean, there's a million movies that are like that. It's uh, we're unspooling a mystery, we're telling a story, we're kind of uh, exploring some larger concepts, but at the same time, it's still a horror movie, and there's still ghosts and demons and a serial killer. So. Well, it, basically, Dave, Dave, it's... Yes, Ian. it's Yes, it's, it's imagine a- aliens came down thousands of years ago and gave man this power or used this power to build the pyramids, to build Gobekli Tepe, to build Harappa, to build Pumapunku. And then because of that the belief is that those people were wiped out by the great flood, right? Because they had to destroy that power from being used, right? Imagine if today a modern man rediscovered that power and he tried to wield it for his own uses. How scary would that be? That was the root of the idea. If, if this power is rediscovered today, imagine what one man could and then we decided we were going to take the two biggest cult horror stars in the world that have never worked together. Like Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff never worked together. We took Bruce Davison, who was the star of Willard in the 70s, and so many other horror films, and was nominated for Academy Award for Longtime Companion, and Keith David from 
John Carpenter's The Thing, Jordan Peele's Nope, um, They Live, John Carpenter's They Live, uh, Platoon, There's Something About Mary, and on and on and on. And we put these two guys, he played Spawn in the animated HBO show. So we put these two guys together and let them go at each other. And in the process, they got to kill the last survivors of the cult fire to, to try to save the world. It sounds amazing. It sounds absolutely amazing. And when you put a script like this together, you know, it's very exciting to be able to find the words because you can see it playing in your head. How do you translate Ian or Cooch or, or Mike uh, from your head into your into the eyes of the people and, and onto the words of the script? How does that happen? Um, I, I mean, it, it's uh, uh, all story starts with the characters. So you, you have your situation, but then you start building your characters and uh, thinking of reasons to care about them. Uh, and uh, like Mark Sargent pointed out, like even you know, villains don't think that they're villains. Uh, you know, we we have two guys. You know, we have our two uh, main antagonists are you know very dangerous individuals. But I, both of them think that they're doing the right thing. Uh, and our protagonist, Amara, is, I mean, she's kind of the beating heart of the story. And uh, she's the one who's interviewing the kids and da 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 And so it's like, you know, you kind of start with her. And then you start thinking of, all right, well, who are these five idealistic kids and how do they get sucked into a cult? And so I, I did a lot of research in terms of, uh, you know, I watched a lot of documentaries about uh, younger people who had gotten into cults and whatnot. Uh, there was one that had just come out called um, about the Nixium cult, that one. And um, I pulled some ideas from that. You know, Order like a saint at Raising Cane's with tailgates of hand-battered chicken fingers and cane sauce and jugs of freshly made tea and lemonade. You can guarantee victory for every game day meal. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. One love. <laughs> Official chicken finger of the saints. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. The way that uh, those weirdos would call their, their magical powers technology you know uh you know it's it's not we're not giving you magical powers it's not hippy dippy stuff it's actually technology and it's like well okay but uh that sounded cool so we threw it into the script but yeah it's like i mean from that point forward it's it's amara and we have the kids and then we have our antagonists and of course there's you know a greater force beyond that too that's providing our scares <laughs> so. and, and what 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 Cooch did so great was he was able to go online and find this. You know, when you do Star Trek, you put in the scientific gobbledygook. But Cooch went out and like did the research and really went into, you know, uh, the the possibilities of how the images we see on the pillars at Gobekli Tepe and the images and that are on the Mayan pyramids, how these images can spur the mind and focus the mind which basically creates a pathway, almost like remote viewing, to, a, to the Akashic Record and what that opens up. So he actually used real scientific 
terms for what scientists are actually researching. And then Mike Sargent was able to work with these kids in a way that they got them to understand it. And when they speak it, you really believe it. So it's all based in actual science that's going on. So it's not it's not like, oh, thrusters in the, in the dilithium crystals, Captain. You know, it, it's real science. <coughs> Hold on, what do you mean? Dilithium crystals are real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got them right next to my lightsaber. Caught me off guard with that one. You did. You caught me off guard with that one. But you know what? Yeah, we we we, we, we did crawl up into the idea of uh, alpha waves within the human brain being perhaps both a wave and a particle, and thereby being able to, with focus, to affect a reality. Uh, we kind of we pull into uh, lucid dreaming and auto writing and drawing and uh, Nostradamus uh, looking yeah full yeah. of water. You know, the it's profit. Yeah, Tolkienesis. It's like a and plus on top of that, like a thick layer of Lovecraft, and it's like it, it's like you take like every like kooky concept like this, and like it, it's like a giant toy box like thrown onto the Mike. The I'm, page. Gonna, I'm gonna get it's you to hold on every, right there because we are gonna go to break here. We have okay. Ian Holt, Mike Kuchiag, and Mike Sargent from the movie From the Shadows. We're gonna talk more horror films next on Spaced Out Radio. We're clear. Good start, hey. boys. Good start, boys. Way to go out there. I, I, I feel like I'm in. A, uh, I'm at the Oscars. I got played off the stage with the yeah. music. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, actually, he comes out with a cane and a hook like the old vaudeville shows. Yeah, uh, <laughs> or a butter, butterfly nut. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, that gives me an opportunity to put a little, uh, little liquid in my cup. I'll be right back. Yeah, go right ahead. We got about four and a half. I'm minutes, gonna do guys. the same thing. I'm gonna go get some water. All right. Mike Sargent. I'm staying with you. I can't leave you. You're too beautiful to leave. Mike Sargent really showing off the chest hair tonight. Very impressive. Oh, he always shows it off. <clears throat> He's very manly. Very impressive, by the way. Very impressive. Um and so keep an eye out for Keith David. I think he's signing in at uh, ten o'clock. We only got him yeah. for a half hour. Yeah. Uh Just trying to catch up. <laughs> hey, Super Duke. Stone Hobbit, how you doing? Mm-hmm. What is Dirty Phil's drawing? Uh, let's take a little peek, shall we? See where he is right now. Oh. All I can say is we've got a gray alien so far. Yeah. The light coming in. Trust me, it's, it'll turn out good. I promise. Yeah, no, I, I like it already. It reminds me, it's kind of the reverse version of um, the scene from Close Encounters. When the little boy opens the door and the light's coming through. Yeah, who hasn't had that happen? <laughs> no. Hope oh, fries are done. Mm, that's some bacon. That's a that's a uh, tortellini for Ian. Definite tortellini. <coughs> By the way, for anybody uh listening, we will get more into the Mexico event and everything like that tomorrow 
on Science Bob with our special guest with uh, Dr. Michael Masters. So we'll be getting into more of that tomorrow. Guy Calgary, how you doing? Bonjour. Ian, what's with our Yankees this year? They're dead in the water. I mean, we're getting killed by by Boston even. I mean, it's pretty sad. Back-ass words, weird world. Welcome to SOR Chat. Uh, Good comment. What freaks me out most are the psychologically uncomfortable moments in horror films and some that aren't really horror, like A Clockwork Orange or Natural Born Killers. You know what? I don't care what anybody says. I still get freaked out by the suspense of Blair Witch Project. That one still Oh yeah. That one still scares the piss out of me. It does. That's great. Yeah, the well, I the uh well, I just saw a new one that's coming out that really interested me uh the uh the Bear the Bear Wench Project. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. No, it's true. It's a new movie coming out. I'm not kidding. <laughs> hey, sweet Robbie G, how you doing, buddy? From the Social Dig. All right, we got just a minute here, guys. A uh, big thank you to Mike Bothwell and Deb for the super chats. The super chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And if you're new, hi Thurston Howell the third. Don't forget to hit subscribe and ring that bell. It really helps us grow and helps us with the algorithms of YouTube. You can also do some shopping at spacedoutradio.com. Hi, Mac Geek. How are you? And you can join our Space Travelers Club, just like Paul and Simon did yesterday. We really appreciate it. Yeah, join our Space Travelers Club. Uh, The link is in the description below. And we got about 30 seconds, guys. And, uh, yeah, we're going to have some fun here. Let's have some fun. Next break, I'm going to have to uh, go check on my boy upstairs, so I'm going to disappear for a couple of minutes. But here we go, guys. Uh, We're on in three seconds. Here we go with the second half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Reminder to all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, all of our archives, they're always free. At youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can find us on every major podcast network, Spotify, 
iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and every podcast network in between. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon, you can join the Space Travelers Club. From the movie, From the Shadows, Ian Holt, Mike Kuchiak, and Mike Sargent are here to discuss their brand new horror suspense film that you can go check on out. And I'm excited about it because anytime Ian Holt is excited, I'm excited. And I haven't seen him this excited since Aaron Boone hit a home run for the World Series back in about 2000. Yeah, it's been that long. Well, Pedro Martinez. Still, it's way too long. Way <laughs> too long. Yes, it has been. It really has been. But now you know what I've been working on. I know. I know. It's taken 20 years to make this film, but we finally got it. And you know what? We're talking a little bit. About, the reason why we're, we're doing this is because not only is this a horror and suspense film, but there's a lot of paranormal supernatural causes inside of this. We talked a little bit about that earlier. And, Ian, I want to start with you on this one because... I know you, you're a giant fan. You've written uh, uh, about this subject and been published. The paranormal uh, sometimes gets overplayed for for what it is, yet we all get freaked out by it. It doesn't matter. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. Whether it's Jason coming out of the water and never seeming to die, Freddy Krueger in our dreams, you know, I mentioned during the break, I still get freaked out by the Blair Witch Project because of the suspense of what's around that next corner. And I will be honest with you, when I go searching for Sasquatch in the British Columbia Forest, I am looking for figurines in the trees because the minute I see that, I'm getting the hell out. I'm getting the hell out. And don't go into any abandoned houses in the woods. No. No. <laughs> so when you put it all together, how much to, you know, talk about the paranormal of this film and why it was important. 
Well, I think I think there's there's two types of paranormal. There's the there's a fantastical type, you know, the Freddies and the Jasons and the Michaels that are jump up scares and they kill you and it's scary and why don't they die and you know why they keep coming back and Chucky and all that. But there's another type. There's the more realistic type that that's based in science and and religion and lore, such as the Exorcist, which is still they still make it sequels after all these years. It's still trying to recapture what the original had. And what this paranormal I love is when it's this could happen. You know, every week we go through all these adventures, you know, um, and and stories about what someone saw a UAP in the sky, someone saw a shadow person in their basement. You know, so we get these things every day and we kind of ask, where do they come from? You know, we, we look at these destroyed cities that people say, like M- Michael Schock says, uh, you know, is, is 10,000 years old. And the scientists say, is, the archaeologists say it's 5,000 years old. And we deal with these realities every day. So to take that element of truth that we talk about and then say, what if, what if we're right? Think how scary that is. You know, I mean, think about the fact that if we could levitate rocks with our minds, if we could see into the future, if we could enter the Akashic Record, the knowledge of the entire universe is supposedly stored there, right? That Edgar Casey talked about. If we could access, if regular people could access that power, what would they do with it? And that's the story here. One guy wants to save the world. The other guy realizes every civilization on this planet that tapped into that ancient alien power that we talk about, all those cities are in ruin. You're talking about megaliths, like at Pumapunku, that are completely destroyed as if wiped out in an apocalypse. And the other guy realizes that. And and they go to war because he has to stop his buddy from using this power, even if he tries to use it to save the world, it will only bring destruction. And therefore, he has to stop everyone. And once these kids that survived the fire realize that they're the only ones left that know how to access this power, they know their lives are in danger and that and that they're, the villain's coming for them. Because in this movie, the villain isn't really a bad guy. He's trying to protect the world while the while the hero, the other villain or the other hero, believes, you'll see for yourself. Mike, the suspense that you kind of take a little bit of piece. And Mike Sargent, we're getting to you here. You take a little bit of piece of all sorts of different paranormal activities, from shadow people to nightmares to uh, strange eyes in the sky to strange beings. You know, you really have combined everything together, which, you know, I, I think is really special. And let, let me explain why for a second here, because as long as I've been doing this show now, and Ian's been a big fan of ours for about seven years, I believe, seven, almost eight years. You know, when I started in this, in this, doing this show, to me, the paranormal, the cryptid world, the UFO world, it was all different genres of the paranormal. 
But the one thing that I am learning, and I think, you know, you guys blended it so well in this film, is that over time, I have learned that that the phenomena is everything. It's monsters, it's nightmares, it's it's shadow people, it's ghosts, it's demons, it's it's everything in between. And I think you guys really did a great blend of all of that because to me that is very hard for anybody to capture. Was that the goal, Mike Sargent, in, in getting into this? <clears throat> it was, but you know the audio for the trailer is playing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. I, I have it on mute. I have it on mute. Okay, so. there it is. All right. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, now I can answer. Uh, well, no, I just, I just wanted to, because I, I, I missed a couple of things you were saying. Well, yes, you know, Ian said before about the paranormal, and you asked him about the paranormal. To me, there are two types of horror films. There's the supernatural horror, where you can't explain it. It's just evil, and it's come, and it's going to do something evil. And then there's the psychological horror, where someone is evil and they're doing evil stuff so this is sort of a blend of both of those but also like you mentioned science fiction so to me uh part of what makes this film special is you know we mentioned that they have these kids they're in a cult okay what makes somebody get in a cult you know what why would you want to be in a cult what what is it and a lot of it has to do with you know you feeling like you're part of something and i think that that's one of the appeals of this story, because these people, uh, I don't want to give away too much of the film, but, but Cooch mentioned that they, they have an alpha. So, you know, most people don't really get to fulfill whatever their destiny is or whatever they want to do or whatnot. And if you've got somebody telling you, hey, you're special and, and we're special and we're going to be part of something special, we're going to save the world. It's very appealing, especially if you're an outsider, if you're having issues, you're, 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 let's just say you're in some way a social invalid. And so a lot of these kids are doing this, but at the same time, these professors, the Bruce Davison character and the Keith David character, they also want to do something great with their careers. They don't want to just teach or just be scientists. So they all think they're reaching for something. And that's kind of the, the, the lure. And I think, you know, in terms of combining all the genres, you know, like Cooch said, it really comes down to the humans. Like, what humans are going to do what and why? And what are we going to learn about just being human? Even if we're dealing with the supernatural, it's still human beings making these choices. So I think that's part of what makes this work for me. Does, does that make sense? I'm, I'm just blown away because I'm reading our audience here. I couldn't hear the audio being played on this end. Oh, and, and I really? had and I had all of the tabs muted and the screen muted. So I'm trying to figure out right now why the audio was playing or how. Well, I th I think when you clicked to the third after it, the two things ran without when you clicked to the third one, you didn't click mute right away, and it started playing with sound. No, but the, that's what I could see. But the, actually, I used the power of ah, hidden wisdom. Yes. Right, yeah, yeah. On but the audio, you were about to reveal too much. But I had, yes. but I had the entire tab muted. That doesn't matter. The power of my power of my mind overwhelms all your electronical systems. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Dr. Leonard Bertram is dicking around with your audio. <laughs> that is just that is, that is completely odd. I'm now, using my mind power on you, Dave. You, wow. Using the power of this might. <laughs> Concentrate in. I must project my mind. <laughs> Jeez, you guys are tough. Tough audience tonight. No, but it, but that that's weird because I can tell you right now, I have a YouTube tab open, you know, because I'm always watching th- what's going on in our YouTube room, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's no audio coming out of that. I got I got Facebook tabs open. There's no audio coming out of those. It's it, why would it all of a sudden come out of this tab when it's muted? I don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's computer geeks out there who know more than me right now, but that audio should not have come out. Should not have come out. I'm well, weird. we got to see, so, see the trailer. Yeah. yeah that's but, the, uh, that's but, the plus. But the problem is my radio audience is having a bunch of bleeding in the audio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, well, you know, they got to hear a little bit of, uh, you know, who does the score for this movie is Alan Howard. For those of you horror fans, um, Alan Howarth did Halloween 2 through 6. He did Escape from New York. He did Christine, Prince of Darkness, all with John Carpenter. The Thing. And the Thing. And he did um, uh, Big Trouble in Little China. And the coolest thing is when when we met to for him to dis- discuss the kind of score we wanted, we wanted that classic John Carpenter score. When he saw the movie, he said, this movie really feels like him and John Carpenter's legacy. Like he sees the influences of Carpenter in the film. He said to us, we were, we already wanted him, but he thought we might be auditioning him. And he said, I got to do the score to this movie. And we said, we wanted that classic score. So one of the coolest things was because you want the authentic eighties type sound. I said, yes. And he went into his attic and pulled out his... This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. Old synthesizer. They recorded all the Halloween Escape from New York song. 
and recorded our theme, our score on that old synthesizer. So this is not digitally recreated. You know, this is the authentic old synthesizer sound that we've heard in the in all of Alan Howard's other scores. So early scores. So it's classic Alan Howard, which is pretty cool. That is that is very cool in, in regards to that. I mean, how do you set up like from a person who has interest in how this is all set up, how do you set up everything from from the sound to to what's gonna play where, what's gonna create suspense? How is that done? Well, a lot of it's Mike Sargent. He's our director. Well, uh, to be to be fair, a lot of it is actually comes in the editing, you know. And I have to give a shout out to Ryan Kelly because he was not only our editor, but he was also uh, our effects supervisor. So <clears throat> I think it does come out. At, you know, I, I know we were we all worked on the script. You know, uh, Cooch is definitely the screenwriter, but we all you know had a lot of input. And you know, when you can get excited when you're reading something on the page, when you when you're you know you're like yes, you can see it, then you know you you know it's scary. I think by this point, if you like horror movies and you like being scared, you know it's scary, or at least you think you know. So uh, a lot of times, I think that's what it comes down to. It's it's a gut thing. It's like you know, I think this would work. I think this will be scary. I, I you know, and then you carry it all the way through. Would you agree with that, Cooch? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we should also mention uh, Cecilia Hall. I was just going to get to that. Yes, yes. Award-winning oh, Cecilia Hall helped us yes. work on the post-production sound. So between Alan Howarth and Cecilia Hall, we've got a uh, we've got a, a, a murderer's row. So uh, we, we've got ringers. What really happens is you sit in a sound room. We were all sitting in the sound room, and you have a sound designer, a foley artist, right, and they start pulling out their little hard drive of creepy sounds and they mix it all together and create those jump effects. You know, the interesting thing about all this is, you know, the effect comes in just before the scare because we hear with our ears before we see with our eyes. So to get the best scare, you want the sound to start before your eyes see it. So you jump on the audio. So by the time you see it, you're already in fight or flight mode. Right, you know, and and that's the big thing. Like you want the your fans to be able to be sitting on the edge of their seats throughout the ninety minutes or a hundred minutes, however long it is, and and you know that has to do with a lot of creative editing and a lot of creative, you know, video footage. How much? How much of this is CGI? How much of this is? We have seven hundred ninety-five effect shots. Holy cow! It's a very practical. Yes, plus plus Vincent Guastini, the great Vincent Guastini, does our practical special effects makeup. So it's we've got practical stuff and we've got CGI stuff, and it's 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 a and you know Cooch mentioned something about a Zoom call, and one of the things we try to do here is not make a Zoom. What we did was we made a movie with a Zoom call in it, and that was for a reason because what's you know, how do you see the faces of everyone at the same time? Like, if you imagine the detective interviewing everyone and you want to get them all on screen, it's a great way to have every, everyone's face and you see their reactions to each question and it builds suspense and 
and, and questions about who's responsible, who's lying, who's telling the truth. So as the interrogation goes through and the, the layers of the onion are peeled and the mystery is revealed, you know, you can see the reactions as we go. Well, not only that, not only that, I have to say, you know, Zoom and Zoom or Google Chat or, or any of this, you know, uh, all of the StreamYard, we're all used to it now. It's part of life. Everybody's done a Zoom call. Or if you haven't done a Zoom call, if you're older and you haven't done a Zoom call, you know what it is. So I think that helps ground it in reality. Because what could happen on a Zoom call? So I think that that is another element that helps to, helps to ground it in reality. Because I think it's important to believe in the premise, the characters, and everything. It's got to be believable. Or, you know, if you don't suspend your belief, you won't be scared. Well, very true. Very true. I mean, what's the target audience in a horror movie today? Is, is it is it still young, you know, that 17 and 19-year-old teenager? Uh, the horror genre, we've grown up with it coming from Gen X. Do we still enjoy those? Is the younger generation, the Gen Zs, uh, picking this hobby up? I, I think we all have an opinion on this one. I want to hear what yeah. Ian and Cooch has to say first. I, well, I mean... I, just to throw it out there, uh, my, my, uh, my older daughter, she is part of a movie-watching group on Discord, uh, and they're actually going to do a screening of uh, Death Huddle later on this week. And uh, a week before last, they did a zombie week, where they did nothing but watch zombies from uh, zombie movies from first thing in the morning till like, about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, not to say that you're going to you know, be sitting there watching every second of every movie, the idea being that they're just kind of like playing in the background while everyone's doing what they're going to do. People are kind of dipping in and out, da, 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 da. But I had the wonderful experience of checking in with this and uh, uh, watching some movies that I've seen a hundred million times with digitally speaking, uh, you know, people who had never seen, like, say, Return of the Living Dead, you know, uh, and getting their fresh reactions to it. And, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. And a lot of people, uh, a lot of these people are in their twenties, you know? So I, I think that there's always going to be a fandom for a good film. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of caterwauling about if the theatrical experience will, you know, live or die. And I'll tell you what, man, I live in Hollywood, California, right down the street from the Hollywood forever cemetery. And uh, on the weekends, they play horror movies. Well, not just horror movies, anyway, but you know, they play horror movies in the cemetery and those things are, Packed. They're sold out. You know, four movies that, you know, The Thing being a perfect example. That thing was packed. Hundreds of thousands, thousands of people there. And uh, they had a great time. A wonderful time watching a movie that's decades old. So uh, I think that, you know, uh, good horror movies will live forever. Well, that's good to know. I mean, you know, as generations change, tastes change. And to know that people, you know, from, you know, 10 years old up until, you know, 80 years old still want this type of entertainment. I mean, that that's only good for the future. I mean, I look at, I look at my 10-year-old son. I can't get him to sit down and watch a hockey game with me. But, I mean, if, if Slipknot's on the radio, he's wanting to listen. And if, if there's, and if, and if there is uh, some sort of, uh, you know, he's trying to get me to sit down and watch Jaws. Well, you know, his father's fear of sharks does not allow that to happen. Right? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> uh, Jaws was another one. Jaws played at the Arclight right before close, uh, before COVID hit, and I, I that theater was packed. That movie came out in what seventy seven, so not even seventy four. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 75, right. Yeah, 75, 75. 75. How old is that movie? Packed theater, packed. Well, I so, think you know. I, I think I think to to, your, to Tucci's point, I think that uh, first of all, I think you have to look at why do we watch horror movies. I think you know one of the best answers I've heard because I've asked this question to people, and it's because it makes you feel alive. Because the best thing about a horror movie is that you can get just as scared as if you were there, but you're not there. So you're not going to get killed. You watch somebody else get killed. So it, it, it gets your blood going. And I think that that feeling, uh, it's like laughing. You enjoy laughing. You enjoy getting scared because it's, it's a jolt. You get your blood going. And I think there's always going to be people who love the genre. And I think there's always going to be audiences that love horror. And I think, like, like Cooch says, scary is scary forever. It's not like you're going to watch The Exorcist today and you go, oh, that doesn't scare me. No, it's still scary. That's still a scary movie. It doesn't matter and, how many years go by. And, at, like, you know, you want to take the movie that you saw when you were a kid that scared the crap out of you and show it to your kids and your grandkids and share that with them and your friends. And scare the crap out of your kids. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, one time uh, a couple of years ago, I was going to, uh, I was attending uh, Shriek Fest, uh, which is one of the larger horror uh, festivals in LA and uh, it was being held on one of the lots. And uh, so I was walking through it and uh, the security guard is like, uh, so what's going on tonight? You know, cause I, 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 he doesn't know. He's this guy who's man the gate. I'm like, well, it's a horror movie festival. He's like, man, why don't people like those things anyways? So I'm like, well, for roughly the same reason that people like roller coasters and there are such a thing as roller coasters. People like them. There's such a thing as horror movies. People like those too. I like, but it. I will say to uh, your son's taste in music, there is a large crossover Venn diagram uh, between metal and horror. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, if that kid ever wants to get in the pit for uh, people with cool shit, I'm fully in support of that. Well, <laughs> we're taking him uh, in a couple, um, a few weeks here. We're taking him to see the Swedish metal band Avatar. Uh, he saw them last year with us. Uh, he, we had front row and got a great video of him throwing up the horns, uh, and, and banging his head. So we're going to do that again. And then, uh, we're going to introduce him to the greatest rock band ever. Guns and Roses coming. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, Mike Sargent, Mike Kuchiak, Ian Holt from the shadows. When we return Legendary actor Keith David is going to join us. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. 
Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. Ctmobile.com. We'll have him until the bottom of the hour on Spaced Out Radio. I'm excited because I love this guy's movies. We'll be right back on Spaced Out Radio. All right, gents, we are clear. Let's add Mr. Keith here. Mr. Keith. Hey. Awesome. Hey, hey, Keith. How are you, man? What's happening? What's happening? So good to see you again. Very yeah, long time we'll see you. It's been a bit. Gents, I'll be right back. I just got to go check on the little metal head, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, thank you very much for coming on and doing this. It's good yes. to see you, Ben. Yes. yes. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Yeah. I um if you I, I mean I may have to jump off a little bit early because I am um, we're not on right no 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 we're not, no, we're not on I have a colonoscopy tomorrow mm. so oof. I have, uh, oof. I, have, I have begun the prep and uh, yes I know it yeah. well unfortunately. so <laughs> yeah right men of, you know men of a certain age unfortunately yes. you yes. have you, you you've had the experience yes. i've had we, the experience we've all been in that we're all of that age now <laughs> <laughs> definitely you something know. men of a certain age don't always talk about though either so no you know actually you know a couple of years ago i was with uh, uh reverend butts at abyssinia doing a whole campaign about why men should you know Hey, look! Check out your prostate health, and check on your colon health. I mean, you do not have to die of this disease. You know? No, you know, I have a friend, uh, and this is years ago now. But when he first, he was a little bit older, and he first, you know, he had it self-checked out, and they found a polyp, and they had to do all this stuff. After that, periodically, he would just send me texts: "Get your ass checked. Get your ass checked." <laughs> <laughs> that's what you would do get your so, ass to the doctor get your ass checked that would be like not good morning or anything just get your ass checked so, <laughs> that was his uh... if you don't you better <laughs> exactly <laughs> you'll regret it so so yes that's uh, that I can relate to so how are you doing man hey man you know Doing everything I can to survive the t- the horror story that we're in. Yeah, you mean America? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean it's another it's another it's another kind of horror story. Yeah, unfortunately, but, you know, you know, um, you know, God is good all the time. So I'm not I'm not in I'm not despairing, and I live in hope. You know. Are you optimistic that that a good deal will be struck? I'm optimistic that that a um, a mutually beneficial deal will be struck. One that one that you know, I mean, it may take a little bit longer than anyone has anticipated. 
or yeah, wanted to anticipate. Uh, um, um, but I, but I think in the end, we're going to have to come around to you know respecting you know respecting all involved because other than that, we just you know we, we just you know you know have these continuous mounting strikes and nobody wins. No, and and yeah, and unfortunately, I think that you know it's unsustainable to keep going the way we were. So, you know, you, the idea that you could want to be an extra and you have one day of shooting and your career is over because they visually captured you is kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that, that's a whole, you know, I mean, and that's a, that's, that's the big crux mm. of the whole argument, but the, you know, I mean, but, uh, I, I think, I don't, I don't think that they will, get away with doing that. I mean that like I said, that would be that would be another horror story in itself. Yes. You know I agree. I mean I mean you know, having a computer do your performance, I can't imagine anything worse. No, I mean, you know, because you know, I mean, you know, it's you're gonna know. If you know, even if you get fooled once or twice, eventually you're gonna know. And um there's something, you know, there's something really um, revealing about the truth. And when you know, when you know that you're, you know, you know, you're witnessing something that's totally manufactured. I mean, you, you it, 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 it takes you out of the uh, reality that you're supposed to be in. It takes you into the here and now in a way that. You know, I mean, I, I would even see people walking out of the theater. You know, I mean, if, you know, for the initial, all the initial fascination. I hope so. After a while, it would be like, you know, no, I need that. I need to see my man here. I want, I want to see this person. Right. I don't. I hope so. I don't want to yeah. see you. know. I did that with iRobot. All all art, including cinematic art, is a, you know, in some way, a conversation about the human experience. And, you know, uh, we aren't quite at the level that a a robot can effectively have a conversation about the human experience. No. No. Yes. You know, at some point, we're going to have to face the fact that corporations have to pay people enough money that they can afford a place to live and the basic necessities of life. You know? Not saying they need a Mercedes and a limo. I'm saying a, a home, uh, you know, uh, 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 utilities and food, you know, at least. Yeah. Gentlemen, hold on right there because we're on in 10 seconds. Big thank you to Mike and Deb Ooh. for the Super Chats as we are going to continue on here. Uh, and here we go, everyone. Stay tuned. Very exciting. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott, your host with the most tinfoil wrapped around his body on a nightly basis. Welcome everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America. 
digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Gastrosopher. Gastrosopher is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag, follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. We're continuing on with the brand new movie from the shadows starring our good friend, Keith David, who is here. Ian Holt is with us. Mike Kujiak and Mike Sargent as well from the film. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. And Ian, I'm going to give you the pleasure of introducing a man that many of us will recognize from dozens upon dozens of movies i don't know how many times this guy has died over his years but he's got more lives than a cat keith david ian take it away well i i have to say it was my absolute honor in fact when i first met him when he first walked onto the set i mean i've met actors all my life but when i saw keith david i became a blithering tongue-tied fanboy like a little schoolgirl that I was working with Keith David. And that's how excited we were all to have him part of this movie, his talent and his exceptionalism and all he does. And um, I can't thank him enough for being part of our film. Mr. Keith David, welcome to Spaced Out Radio for the first time. And, and it truly is an honor to have someone of your stature here with us. I mean, I got to ask you before we get into the movie and your part and everything, have you yourself through all the movies that you have done and, and a lot of horror films and suspense films, has that drawn a lot of your own personal paranormal activity or have you had your own experiences that kind of makes you sit back and say, wow, I can't believe that's happened. Um, you know, every day you look around, you hit the internet and I can't believe that happened, you know? Um, but, the uh, I think as was being discussed, the thing about horror movies is everybody likes to get their adrenaline rushed in a safe way. You know, I mean, we have, we have the guys that, you know, the, uh, the uh, thrill of victory, agony of deceit, defeat, you know, we have those guys and they like an adrenaline rush, but I, I, I'd rather leave that to them, you know, let me sit back in the movies and uh, watch it over again. I can I can hit the repeat button and nobody's going to get hurt, you know. But we love that uh, we love that adrenaline rush. I mean that's I mean that's 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 what it's all about. I mean, and 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 in a, in a nice, safe way, and in, and in a way that for ninety minutes or two hours. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID 19. 
That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. You're in another place. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. So you haven't had your own spooky experiences that have make, made you kind of shake your head saying, uh, you know, I, there's no, been no poltergeist activity around the house. Uh, I, 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 you know, listen, I, you know, I don't call it a, I don't call it spooky. I call it a God shot because, you know, you know, once um, about my last season of Greenleaf, I was in my apartment. I went out in the morning and I had my wallet and I went to get a cup of coffee and I went to pay with my credit card in my wallet. And then I think I decided to, um, it was, it was just, I had enough cash. So I just paid it in cash. So I came back to the apartment and I was doing some transaction on the telephone and I needed my credit card. So I went to find my wallet and it was not there. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not now do I have to cancel all my stuff. You know what? I was in my apartment. I went back to the store that I bought the coffee. I had gone. I was, I got up at five in the morning to go to yoga. I called my yoga teacher. Did I leave my wallet over there? I went to my car. I searched my car three times. All around my car, I'm, you know, and I, I'm not one to panic right away, I, but I really did not want to have to cancel all those cards and all that stuff. I was willing to, but I, you know, I didn't, and you know, and I, I, I kept my faith in God. I was like, God, you didn't, you know, I didn't lose. I'm, I'm not that kind of careless. I don't, I don't do that. And it got to be late. And uh, finally, I said, uh, you know, uh, okay, now my faith is beginning to wane. You know, I believe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, God, uh, am I, I going to be let, feeling let down by this? <sighs> and I decided before I go to bed, I'm going to go, I'm going to go one more time down to the car. Now I heard it. I 
I told you, I went down there three times. I heard some people passing before I, you know, when I got out of the elevator, between the elevator and the door to the garage, I heard some people passing, you know. I go, I, I opened the door and my car was right there in line with the door. I opened the door at, right at the, right at the driver's door. There was my wallet. Right, right there, as if I had dropped it coming out, getting out of the car. I promise you, I was there three times. It was not there. Now, how did it get there? It's, I mean, did, uh, I have no idea. All I know is I took it as a god shot because poltergeist, come on, they don't do your thing. I mean, that's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. <laughs> that's the tagline of poltergeist for. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've had these experiences. Well, you are someone who has acted in two of my favorite all time movies, uh, platoon and the quick of the dead. I mean, when you go from something that is realistic like Platoon and then, you know, a little bit of Western like Quick of the Dead, but then you get more into the horror side of everything where you're now trying to scare the pants off of people. How does that change you and diversify you as an actor, you know, taking on a role like this one in From the Shadows? Listen... It's called a play. I act because it's fun. And the more, the, you know, I mean, I love, I love the fact that I have been blessed enough in my life to train long enough to be able to go from genre to genre and, you know, and still just have fun. I mean, you know, some, some things are harder than others, but, you know, when, first of all, if it's well written in any genre, that makes it even more fun because I, I don't have to. I don't have to act. I just have to find the behavior of the character. You know, when you know, if I only have to act when I got to fill in gaps that are not there by the writer, or 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 you know, there's a hitch in the communication giddy up with the director, then I've got to act. Other than that, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I, 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 I love the old timers, like Spencer Tracy or James Cagney. Hit your mark, look the other guy in the eye, and tell the truth. It doesn't matter what genre you're doing. Love you it. know, I mean, because you will believe what I tell you to believe. If we stay with the premise of what was set up at the very beginning, whether it's a comedy. Uh, a dark drama or a horror movie. If you stay with that premise, I'm going to go with you. You you only start getting into like, ah, I don't believe that. When whatever you told me set me up to in the beginning, then you violate that reality. If you violate that initial premise, then we get into, you know, all right, it's a movie. I'm enjoying myself, but eh, it's a movie. You don't, you don't, you don't have that, um, that moment of being lost 
and you know, I mean, especially in a in, in a horror movie, but in a in a, in a in a musical in a fantasy, you we want to be lost in the moment that you swept me into, that you invited me into, and if you could do that for two hours, that's that's success. That's a powerful comment, powerful comment right there. But that's a veteran talking right there, Ian. I mean, <laughs> that is a veteran talking right there. I mean, Ian, for you guys to have someone like Keith jump in on this movie, I mean, how do you, how do you go about selling a script to someone who has been there, done that, and has probably tossed away more scripts that he's taken? I, you know, that was <laughs> that was one of the, the the hurdles we had to go through because we, when we wrote it, you know, we started talking about who. And um, it was funny how we all came around and go, Keith David, <laughs> you know, and it was it was someone that was on all of our minds as we were writing it. And then we said, we, but we hadn't said it to each other. And we all said one all at one time, go, Keith David. And then and then we were thinking like, who who hasn't, you know, who in the horror world hasn't worked together that we would like to see work together? And, you know, uh, one of my early favorites is Willard, uh, early horror film, because I saw The Poseidon Adventure, and then I saw Ernest Borgdon on TV in another horror movie, Willard, and it turned out to be Bruce Davison starring in it. So I've been a fan of Bruce Davison my whole life. And I said, gee, they've never worked together. It's like Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff never have worked together. And I said, we got to do... Bruce Davison and Keith David. No matter what, it's going to be sparks and electric if we put them together. And if you need two charismatic cult leader guys, I can't imagine anyone with more whatever that magic the camera eye sees in them that they, you know they would be perfect for these parts. And lucky enough for us, they both said yes. Thank God. <laughs> and it was it was an absolute honor to work with them. I mean, from the first minute. The first conversations we had, just how, the, you know, it wasn't like, oh, we're doing a little horror movie. They were asking every question about the science, about the the ancient alien history, and all of this to get it just right. And it, and it was it was an amazing pleasure to work with them, and an experience I'll never forget. It was a great pleasure for me to work with Bruce. I mean, because like you said, I've been a great uh, fan of his for years. And uh, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. Keith, what do you love about this film? I, um, you know, one of the things that I've always wanted to do is be able to, you know, get into one of these four-hour makeups and, and uh, be able to sustain it, want to do it, and, uh, and have it so wonderfully done because you know i've done other makeup jobs that did not turn out so well and uh you know and and uh you know budget or otherwise uh but i loved working on this first of all you know the the, the whole premise of getting sort of caught in the you know i mean <laughs> what would what would that look like uh and then seeing how skillful those guys were, where it was like, that was, that was incredible. That makeup was incredible. Uh, and it was a, you know, 
a dream come true. Do you, and just so you know, Dave. Yes. Our, our special effects makeup artist was a man, a very talented man named Vincent Guastini. He's done some of the biggest makeup effects. And when I said the person he's going to be making up in this prosthetic is going to be Keith David, his eyes lit up and he said, you know, when I was a kid, my dad took me to see the thing. And that movie made me want to go into special effects makeup. So wow. he says, I have to work with Keith. So, I mean, it's Keith has influenced a whole generation of us and inspired us to film. <laughs> Keith, I know we only have you for a few more minutes here. W- would it be okay if, if my audience got a few questions in for you, uh, to you? Would you be okay? Oh, sure. That that'd be wonderful. You know, uh, Sergeant here is wondering what's the favorite movie you've played in. What's your favorite? Probably, probably the last one I was in, but no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I've had a. I mean, I've had a a lot of uh, great stuff. I you know you know the thing obviously was my first movie. And it, it, it has, it's a favorite for, if nothing else, for that reason. But also because, you know, I lived to, in the end. You know, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm the only black man in history who ever lived at the end of the horror movie. But I, have, I at least have that distinction. I lived till the end. So that's, you know. Platoon was another... Was another uh, uh, sort of milestone. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, when after after the thing, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll have a life in the movies. I mean, I, and I want that. I'd like that. And I didn't work again in the movies for four years. Wow. And and four years later, I got Platoon. But since Platoon, I've worked in the movies at least every year since then. That's great. Uh, at least at least one movie a year. So you know, I mean, I, I mean, I loved something about Mary was the first time I got to do some comedy on on film. You were you know, amazing. You were I, amazing. I, I, I've you know I've done some comedy on stage, but on film that was the that was the first time. And since then, I've gotten to do you know a, a bunch of funny stuff. At least you know how did I thought you, how did you keep a straight face during the Franks and Beans part? Who said we did? You, you know, you only caught, you know, you caught what what was edited. But there were many times when you know, it's oh like, my god, oh, you know, oh a lot of, lot of. I, I always wanted to have a a, a reel of the outtakes because we had a, we had quite a few. <laughs> oh my god, that is still classic, still classic. Let's go over to Sabrina, Keith. How have roles you have played influenced you? So you changed your purviews or yourself or your reality as you were taught to perceive, so believe all to be. I, it's a, it's an elongated question, but how has your roles influenced I, I think, you? Uh, let, me, let me see if I understand the question. In, in my, from my perspective, you learn a little bit more about yourself and every character you play. Every character I play, every project that I, you know, I, I hope at the end of the day, that you learn a little bit more about yourself. Because what, we, you know, I mean, the theater, and I'm including the movies here, 
is still the one place that we have to examine what it means to be a human being. So, you know, you want to see, you know, you want to see somewhere yourself reflected, how you, how you experience the world. And each story that I get involved with, I learn a little bit more about the world that I live in or the world that I'd like to live in or the world as it was at some time. And, 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 and each of those journeys, you know, I take a little piece here and a little piece there and it helps to enrich my life as I hope it enriches your life by being able to bear witness to that experience. I hope that answers your question. That does for me. Thank you. We got three minutes left with Keith David tonight as we talk about the movie From the Shadows. We're taking some audience questions for Keith. Uh, Donovan would like to know, what was it like working with John Carpenter? Again, it was my first movie. So what was not to like? You know, and, uh, you know, but I learned, you know, I, I, I learned how John works. And I got to do, uh, I got to do another mo- movie with him. I got to do um, They Live With Him. And he, and he asked me to do that. And, again, it was a really great experience. I watched him grow from the thing to They Live. And, and, and what I mean by that, he, for me, he'd always been a very visual guy. But um, his ability to communicate to actors, I think, grew from the from the from the time from the thing to they live, because when uh, uh, you know Roddy was not an experienced actor, he had done I think the Highwaymen or something like that. He had done something, but um, John was able to communicate with him in a way that helped him be a better actor, you know, and he was very hungry. To be a good actor, so he, you know, he was always full of questions, and he, and and just hungry to know more, and just, you know, he wanted to be, he wanted to be good at what we were doing, and he was. I thought, I thought he did an excellent job. You know, people still want to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mike, I, I want to know what it was like being the director and being able to work with someone like Keith. All right. All I got to say is a dream because I've been a fan of yours since the thing, Keith. And (laughs) I I never told you at the time, but I was very good at doing my own Keith David impression. I used to, I had certain lines from the thing I used to do uh, that I, I never did that to you because I had too much respect and I would be too afraid, you know, you might hurt me. But uh, it it was an honor because there's so many aspects. One of the things I love about what you do uh, is how you use your whole instrument, how you move, how you talk, how you use your voice, you know. So it it was just it was a dream come true for me. So I I have to say. And Keith, uh, I know we're going to have to say goodbye to you after in about 45 seconds here. But for you with From the Shadows, what do you love about this movie and why should people come see it? Uh, I think because it, it's it. I mean, from the premise, it's something that you can believe could happen now. In the in the in the world that we live in now, with an internet and computers and 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 uh, 
uh, and and people coming up with scientific theories and cults and you know come to my side believe you know I mean you know all of, all the elements come together in a way that makes it makes the experience like you know I I came away with an oh shit experience you know it's like it's like man oh man you know but you know this you know if you look at if you look at where we are today having come out of a, a world pandemic into a across uh, the country's life. It happens. Great answer. Keith David on Spaced Out Radio. We continue with From the Shadows right after this. I thought it was the Oscars also, the music starts coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> That was, that, that was a great minute and a half answer in 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know, I, uh, I guess we'll see you on Tuesday. Very exciting. Yes. Yes, indeed. And, Mike, I just left you a message, so give me a, give me a holler. Oh, all right. I will. Thank you. All right. all right. Ian. Great to see you again. I look forward to seeing you in L.A. Yes, indeed. Keith. Thank you so, right, much. Thank you so much, nice. Keith. Very okay. much appreciate you. Take care. All right, take care. Thanks for making me geek out in nervousness there, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> you sons of guns. What a great... I love this one. So, what a great so, guy. So awesome. Keith is the shiz. <laughs> you, you know, he is one of those guys where he just seems to be in everything. You know what I'm saying? Like every time you turn on a movie on Netflix or or Amazon Prime, he just happens to be there. I mean, he's so he, freaking talented. It's also because he does so much voice work. So uh, you can be randomly watching. I was watching like Rick and Morty, and I was like, oh shit, that's Keith. He's doing the voice of the president. I turned on, <laughs> I turned on the, the reboot or the re- return of Justified City Primeval, and he's the whole pilot episode. He plays this crazy judge. I, he had me hysterical for the whole thing. Like the whole opening is him going after Raylan in the beginning of the show for for not following the rules. It was it was one of the great slap downs I've ever seen of a star character. He was great. Well, you know, and that's the best thing about Keith. Keith can be scary, and I mean scary like in a supernatural scary or scary like he was in in that uh, the movie with the Jennifer Connelly character. Why am I forgetting the name of the movie? Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream, which, by the way, Vince Gostini also did effects on, so it's sort of uh, there's some symmetry there. But but he's also hilarious. He's really funny. Right. So uh, that's you know I think it's like a secret weapon for an actor. God, I remember him in in platoon. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. 
break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want, every year or every two you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade, all on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. But all of a sudden, I, I forgot he was in something about Mary until a, right. our audience brought it up. And all of a sudden, all I could think about was Franks and Beans. Franks and Beans. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That was just, Wow. That was kind of a yeah, wow it, moment for me, guys. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Sure. Wow. Thank you for that. Uh, Listen, it was a wow moment for us every day on the set. Let me just say that. We'd, we'd look at each other and be like, we're making a movie with Keith David. You know, so it was like that. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, <laughs> what, what comes next? What's the uh, next I don't, I don't know. Where, do you, where do you guys want to go with this? We got 30 yeah. minutes. Well, 25. To Tri- trivia lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's just bust Ian's chops for the last half hour. Yeah, that's it. I'm ready. Well, you know, come on. I well, I, I like I like the uh, the freewheeling nature of taking questions from the people, the crowd. Hold like, on one uh, second. They, they can, Ian, I got yeah. No. Oh. Well, you can keep talking, Cooch. We're listening. Freewheeling nature. Remember this, Ian. Oh my God! No, you're not going to do another one, are you? No, hell no. <laughs> did, well, you did one. Yeah, uh, we did it for a birthday show. He practically died. I had to take over. Well, the show. I was just going to say, and he didn't die. So no, I guess I, that's a good thing. He, he, he couldn't even go on with his show. He had to like leave and come back, and I had to take over the show. <laughs> like, he goes back. He was bright red. He was like fire was coming out of his mouth and his ears. I have was- never gone numb in my life. And my wow. head on down to my shoulders went numb. Wow. Hey, but save that. That's going to be worth a lot of money one day, that unopened package, because they're going to be pulling No, it no, it's, it's and... open. This I ate this. So oh, that's an, oh, you ate that. All right. Okay. <laughs> There's still a – look at the <laughs> oh, corner, Ian. Wow. Look at the corner right there. There's wow. still a piece in there. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Give it to like a dog you hate. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> some annoying neighbor's dog. No, but he had just said, you know, it's not that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not that hot, and then all of a sudden, all hell broke loose, literally. <laughs> and he had like a half gallon of water. It wasn't enough. No, I I went through a gallon of chocolate milk. Milk. That's what it was. Whoa! And, and it wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. It didn't. It took a good hour before it finally calmed down. Wow. Now, why would anybody other than like you know? Why did you do this? I was challenged. Oh, okay. I was challenged. What are you? What are you I supposed to do? Hope. Anything for entertainment, right? I, I will never do. It. Yes, I probably would do it again because I built up my tolerance since then. But hold on, <laughs> hold on, guys. We got five seconds here.
We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, you can check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can also listen to all our archives for free on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and every major podcast network. All right, we continue on with our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. All right, we have we have Mike, Mike, and Ian from the movie From the Shadows. It's a horror suspense film. And let's get right to it. Where can people see this movie? Who would like to jump in? Mike Kuchiak, we haven't heard from you in a while. What an excellent question. Uh, well, it turns out that we're going to be having a red carpet premiere in Los Angeles, California on Tuesday the 19th. And uh, that's is uh, coming together possible thanks to uh, one of the supreme efforts of one of our producing partners, Michael Alden, who was able to uh, communicate with SAG and get an interim agreement, and that all worked out fine and dandy for all of us as independent producers. It worked out nicely. Uh, and beyond that, uh, on 22nd, we will be in theaters. We have five theaters. Uh, do you guys have the theaters yes, in front of you? On- the Angelica East in New York, the Angelica Plano in Dallas, Texas, the Ronard Park in San Francisco, California, and Washington, D.C., the Angelica Pop-Up, and uh, Sacramento will be at the Tower Cinema. And we will be in theaters for one week, and then we will do uh, straight from cinemas into an exclusive Halloween Spotlight uh, film of the month on Voodoo. Very cool. Very cool. That's exciting yeah. times, guys. Exciting times. And yeah, I, we're going to be at theaters and everything, man. It's going to be fun. There's going to be people in the theaters with popcorn and... and Yelling, popcorn, food. dogs and cats living together. That's area. <laughs> uh-huh. Licorice. Giant <laughs> yeah. Pepsi bottles and pizza. Oh, it's going to be good. Well, Red if it wasn't for the premiere, I would I would schlep my way up to uh, Sacramento uh, for perhaps one of those because you know you want to sneak into the back and watch the, uh, the the crowd react to the film that you made. You know, yo, I'm getting mulling. I'm I'm going to the flying out to go to the premiere in L.A. and then flying back to go to the opening in New York. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, Mike Sargent, you do that as well when you go back. Sure, of course. I'm gonna. Yeah. Yes, I gotta. You know. How else do I get to make fun of Ian if I'm not right. there? How else, how else are you going to get his <laughs> I want to mention to our audience listening in that if you're in our chat room on YouTube, feel free to type in a question in capital letters. I will get it to Ian, Mike, or Mike uh, for you regarding that. Uh, we'd love to take your questions right now. But, you know, just the idea that that – you have the journalist as a skeptic. Why do you? Why is the journalist always a skeptic? As a journalist myself, okay, it's always us. You're always blaming us for something. Well, I think the journalist is supposed to be the objective one, and 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 in a movie like ours, you know, I think there are always people who are open, 
but there's always the skeptics. So that could be someone in the audience who's like, yeah, come on. Why, why didn't they, you know, you always see a movie, a horror movie, especially like, well, why did they open that door when people said, don't open that door? You know, <laughs> so that kind of thing. So having a skeptic, having somebody who's critical, you know, I think, again, I think it just even grounds it even more in reality because I would question things. Well, I mean, wouldn't you be a, spe- a skeptic if a, if a person that was in a cult told you they had the power to move things with their mind and alter reality? And, and Right. Had- uh, you know, I, in, in terms of story construction, you, you want the audience to uh, uh, you know, be, be on board with your protagonist. The protagonist is the audience's way into the story. So exactly. it's like, you know, it, as much as possible, you want that character to be asking the questions that the audience would be asking, you know, like psychic powers, come on, what are you talking about? And so making that character a skeptic gives you uh, an organic way into her asking those questions. What are you talking about? What happened? X, Y, Z. And even though she is in a position where the other characters are explaining the story to her, she ultimately still moves it forward uh, due to her choices. And and Dave and the audience, you guys will appreciate this. So we had a cast of very talented young actors. And, you know, through the course of the movie, we had to use Gobekli Tepe, Harappa, you know, uh, um, Pumapunku. And one of the great joys of laughter was having these kids who've never heard anything about it try to pronounce those places. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like a, a giant toy box garbage can full of like seven syllable words, like dumped in these poor actors' laps. Um, yeah, that's awesome. But, uh, yeah. but uh, uh, Mike Sargent did an excellent job of of guiding them through the process, and you know they figured it out. So you know, but yeah, right on. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, kind of, uh, uh, Mike Sargent. I want to ask you a question, being a director and everything. This doesn't so much pertain to the film, but it does. Trying to make sure that you have, you know, continuity between your actors and some sort of chemistry between. I mean, there's very few actors actually have worked together, you know, and putting them together, it's kind of like a flip of a coin whether or not they're going to be able to gel and, and and make the movie something good. How do you go about trying to gel people together who may have never met and now they're going to act like they've been best friends for life on air or or what have you? How does that work? Well, I think every every film and every story is a little different, but but essentially it comes down to the rehearsal and for the characters to get comfortable being the characters. It's not so much about the dialogue but about becoming those characters. So when Ian was saying earlier that, you know, we were able to get 63 pages done in a day, the reason that happened is because I I took that whole sequence, every time that they're on the Zoom, because they're not on the Zoom throughout the entire film, but like he said, there's a Zoom call in the film. So that entire Zoom call, I decided to rehearse as a play and do it as a play with them actually on a Zoom call playing to each other so that they are actually on a zoom call. So when you see them on screen, while we had six different setups and six different cameras, they are actually playing to each other. So, and they had rehearsed it that way a number of times. So all the beats, all the story beats, all the emotional things, you know, we may have cut out, you know, like when a character is going to be killed in a horrible way. All right. So they're off screen, but for the most part, they got 
the chemistry. They got how they should have flowed with each other because when you're on a Zoom call, just like we are now, like what's Cooch doing? What's Ian doing? What are you doing? Like I'm talking, but everybody's doing something a little different. How yeah, can what am I doing? Right. What am I doing? <laughs> what's in this what you, you don't right. know. You don't know. Uh, so, so the whole idea is, you know, you want to make sure not only do they have the chemistry, but they're actually able to react to each other in the way the characters would when they have nothing to say. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I, no, I think I a think lot of great. it has to be familiarity, comfortability with the characters. Right. A couple questions from our audience here. Pixie Lara is asking, will there be bloopers at some point? <laughs> You're watching them now. <laughs> I, I hope I, at the, somewhere in uh, on one of the uh, data chips, we've got to have uh, a DVD release e- with uh, behind the scenes. I, I think uh, Ian and the Green Man outfit. Oh, yes. destroying the room. Yes, yes, nice. Ian, yeah. Makes an, it's uh, like uh, Dave Landau came to me and uh, he's like, "Hey, do you, you want to like put on this uh, old green outfit because we need someone to like walk around the room and manipulate the things during the psychic explosion sequence?" And I, I thought he was kidding, so I'm just like, "What?" And I just walked away. And then like I, I came back and Ian's dressed in it. I'm of like, course, oh, yeah, like, he wasn't kidding. <laughs> human green screen. Ian's like human green screen. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. And I couldn't help it. You know, we put on the, you know, tequila, and I did the whole Pee Wee Herman dance in the green suit. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> Off topic a little bit here, but this is an interesting question from one of our listeners, President Zaddy. Do you know anybody who sold their soul for Hollywood? <laughs> wow. Uh, I don't like officially. <laughs> There are definitely some people who their career, it's like it's obvious they sold something because it wasn't their talent. So I don't know. What about you, Cooch? You're in Hollywood. Any yeah, soulless I, stars that you know of? I'm literally in Hollywood. Uh, I, you know, I, no one came to me with like a contract. It's not like a, that Suicidal Tendencies song or anything like that. I just, I see, I, I, I didn't sell my soul. I just had to like work instead. <laughs> You have to work well, with Ian, right? right. Well, I mean, one of the funny things is what I guess, in a way, I, I guess I did. I mean, the uh, when I, when my when novel Dracula the Undead came out, the sequel of Dracula, um, I got an I got an email and a, and on Facebook, I was officially entered into the Church of Satan. So, oh yeah, you oh, know. I, I, I do belong to the Satanic Temple. I've got a card in here. Yeah, that's what it was, the Satanic Temple. They gave yeah, me yeah. an honorary membership for writing the uh, Dracula sequel. So, well, that's cool. I guess, I guess in a way, it's just yeah. a whole, I don't know. Yeah, look, see, a real-life Satanist. <laughs> nice. See, Dave, I, I didn't know any of this, Dave. See, I'm just, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, I thought I was just making a movie. I didn't know. No, but Hanging around with there are, you know, kid. I mean, never mind. Never mind what what we hear, you know, the horror stories of being a woman in Hollywood. But, I mean, there are wonders of whether or not people have sold themselves in order, you know. I mean, it reminds you of the old Robert Patterson at the Crossroads where he sold his Robert soul, Johnson. Or Robert Johnson. Yeah, Robert Johnson, me, yeah. Where yeah. he sold his soul at the Crossroads, right? And mm-hmm. you have to wonder if some of that has happened in Hollywood as well. I, I, oh, I put that joke in. I, I, I put a Robert Johnson joke in Death Metal. Uh, but, yeah, so... I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody. Like, I, and it's funny. Like, um, every once in a while, like, 
all of friends who are, you know, outside the industry, let's say, and they're just like, hey, coach, what's going on with fucking Hollywood, man? You know, it's like, are they like, you know, and they're talking about like the adrenochrome, kind of like the weird, yeah. you know, right, right, all right. that stuff. I'm just like, dude, I'm not, I'm not rich enough for that kind of stuff. I, 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 <laughs> I don't get invited to like the weird eyes wide shut parties. I'm not at that level quite yet. <laughs> like, I, I will I'm, say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still in the trenches working for a living. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> I, I will say this, and I got this from good authority, uh, that there are a number of music stars right now that are behind the scenes really looking into investing in the whole UFO research. Yeah, oh, Blink 182's lead singer is a, big, it's a big investment. No, but beyond that, that like I, I know the two names that I have heard that people have been to meetings with. One is Lady mm-hmm. Gaga, and uh, who allegedly is an experiencer of hmm. the alien phenomena and Katy Perry. Huh. Well, I think as, you know, more comes out, I mean, you know, you watch every week on um, the, the secret of Skinwalker Ranch, you see things that you cannot believe that blows your mind every week. And then you have people test the hell congressional hearings on this now. So, I mean, as it's coming out, becoming more legitimate, the more people are going to start pushing for, for universities and doing their own research because I think a lot of people believe the government's hiding the truth. And we have the technology now that you can buy that it allows a lot of people to start doing their own research. Well, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, like, especially within, like, the last couple of years, it's not uncommon to see something online where it's like, oh, yeah, the U.S. Navy has just released these videos. And look, there's a UFO. Yeah. And it's funny because I started rewatching the X Files not that long ago. Just I, I I never watched it when it was big, so now I'm watching it on Amazon or whatever. And uh, there, like the early episodes back in 1993, where Fox Mulder is like, you know, they're Scully, they're the U.S. military might be hiding video of alien crafts. I'm just like, dude, I can watch like ten of those on YouTube right now. It's just like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you cut four thirty years later. It's like yawn UFOs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but well, I mean, look at Skinwalker Ranch. You had a government agency, you know, uh, you know, and, and a government contractor doing all the research, keeping it all private. They left, and a private citizen came in, put a team together, former, you know, CIA defense contractor, all this stuff, scientists, right? Worked at NASA. There's nuclear physicists and, and all this stuff put a team together and are doing their own research every week on TV. Mm-hmm. That's personally funded stuff. I mean, it, it's on TV every week. I mean, people are going to start to, if people like Lady Gaga and then, and then want to get involved, I say more power to them because the truth, uh, you know, truth is right. out there. Truth truth is out there. You couldn't help it. You couldn't. I couldn't help it. Out there, we're not even thinking about it. You couldn't. Mike, Mike Sargent, are, are you a UFO guy? Have you seen UFOs? I have not seen UFOs, but I'm definitely. Uh, I don't know if you call me an enthusiast, but I'm. I'm. I'm there. Like, yeah, I, I watch all the documentaries. I've. I've had the talks. I had. Listen, I. I do. Just so you know, uh, full disclosure, Dave. I've been doing late night radio in New York for a long time. I've explored. I've had psychics on. I've had channeled entities on. I've had, I had Dolores Cannon live on my show. Nice. I don't know if you know who she is. So yeah, I, I've I had I was one of the first people. There was something called flying rods. Do you know about flying rods? Yes, I do. 
See, the fact that you know that says a lot about you. So I had the guy, the guy's the first guy who had captured flying rods because I had a friend who was even more into this than Ian, who was like hooking me up with all these people. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. You're into the woo. You're into, I'm into the, the woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I could actually introduce you uh, to a good friend of mine. Her name is Samantha. And every time I go into a forest with her, there's aliens. Hmm. Like, That's like the beginning of a great story right there. I just why, okay. why, why is that? Like, she 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 is she is so connected that mm, the aliens? that's a big hint for my audience if you know what I've been working on okay um I can't say too much right now but um this this friend of mine every time I go into a forest with her there is aliens and mm. uh the first time I freaked out the second time it happened, I tried to chase it, and I, I and I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm too fat now, way too fat. <laughs> they came from millions of light years away to have you chasing them around the forest, chasing, <laughs> chasing aliens in the forest. That's yeah. like that, oh yeah, that is not a song. And, and then what happens is they get back to their ship, and there's like, I what happened? It was like, yeah, we got chased by human. And everyone's like. There's no such thing as humans. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> that's, just a, that's a legend. That's a Ian, legend. I need I need one press pass for my for my journalist buddy who uh, works mm. on this show for part time for the premiere in L.A. Absolutely, just give me all his information. Okay, uh, as long as he writes about us. Well, he's he, he'll write about it. He'll put it on his show, and I'll bring him on my show to talk about it. Perfect. So you know, you got you got all my contacts. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look it up. Appreciate that. We got about five minutes, guys. You know, uh, I'm going to ask uh, both mics here. You know, have you ever had your own paranormal supernatural experience? This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing, and so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. Mike Sergeant, do you want to lead off? No, I want to hear you first. No, totally want to hear you. 
Um, because it's a short period of time, long story short, I got haunted by my mom. Uh, after she passed away, uh, she would ring the doorbell for a while. And, uh, and by that, I mean, uh, uh, we had a building inspector come by, you know, a home, you know, inspector, you know, before you sell a house, you have a guy come by, he, you know, goes over it with a fine tooth comb. And the entire time, like, I, I was joking about it, and uh, I'm like, oh, Ma, leave me alone. But, you know, this, that, everything else. But, like, it would ring while uh, other people were there. You know, uh, my daughter, real estate agent, you know, people stopping by, la, la, la. So I, it wasn't just me, but uh, it, it would ring like crazy at, like, midnight, one in the morning. And staying in that house became, like, a, this toxic, like, ugh, you know, because you can't sleep because the ghost is ringing the doorbell. And like, Ma, leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. And I kept joking about it because I figured that it was there was just something wrong with the doorbell, right? And so here comes the home inspector. He goes over to find to the comb, tiny, you know, and I go, all right, so what's wrong with the doorbell? It's like, nothing's wrong with the doorbell. What are you talking about? And um, before that, when my father had passed away, uh, my mom used to complain that he was screwing around with the electronics in the house, that he would turn the TV on and off, that he would make the microwave beep by itself. And I only saw it once. But, uh, you know, I came by, and I was like, Ma, what are you talking about? And then, you know, microwave starts beeping out of nowhere. So, weirdly enough, that experience actually kind of, yeah, that, that experience kind of filtered its way into, from the shadows to a certain degree, the idea being that, you know, uh, if we're, we're run by a certain kind of energy that doesn't necessarily dissipate the moment that we pass away, that kind of hangs around for a little while, and communicates with, you know, communicates or just at least expresses itself through uh, electronic devices. So anyway, I, I, I used to laugh at all this stuff, but I've literally been haunted. And let me, I, it wasn't fun. It sucked. It sucked being haunted. <laughs> I couldn't sleep in the house. It was spooky. It was weird. So come I've to, been haunted. There we go. Come to my house. Mike, how about wow. you? <laughs> Well, first of all, I just got to say, nobody's ever told me they've been haunted by their mom before. That's very Norman. I know the same thing happened yeah. to me. When my Stop. Mom, really? When my mom, yeah, when my mom passed, you know, the next day, <clears throat> a couple of days later, I think it was, I, I randomly in the afternoon, the smoke detector in my bedroom goes off, fire, fire. So I turn it off, and then it comes back on. Carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide. Never did that before. I turn it off. Go to sleep, five in the morning, wakes me up. Fire. Fire, turn it off, comes back on, carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide. I get up in the morning, right, and my landline phone, which is in the charging port, just the window starts sliding up. It doesn't light up unless you take it off the port. It just started lining up, and I realized that, that was my mom. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, well, I can, I think my experiences have been mild. You know, I, I live in an apartment here in, in Harlem, and when I moved in, they told me the old woman who had lived here before me had died here in the apartment. I didn't think anything of it. But then at night, sometimes, and this is only within the first few years when I was here, it's as if you heard somebody walking in the hallways. And I would get up, and I would look, you know, or sometimes you'd feel it like, you know, and... I thought it was just me, and then my right. daughter was living with me back then, and she experienced it too, but she was a child, so she didn't really have, you know, way of articulating, but she just, you know, she she instantly accepted that it was the old lady who used to live here. She had, children have no, like, 
they, you know, it no. was, that was it. So, uh, and the only other experience I had is weird. I, I, there was a, 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 a woman I knew, you know, I say a woman, she was a girl really, uh, who passed. And I'll never forget. I was at the radio station like a day or so later and I'm on like the 19th floor and a dragonfly came in the window. Now we're talking about 35th and 8th Avenue in New York. Like, right. where would a dragonfly come through and why would it be on the 19th floor? What the hell? And it came in, and I was like, what? And I just, I have no reason to, to but I felt that it was her. Mm. And she had come to say goodbye. And she sure. stayed there for a while and then went back out the window. Right. And I, and I sat there. It was just a weird experience. I have no explanation for it. But so, either right. paranormal, or I'm out of my mind. <laughs> All right. Okay. There you go. Gentlemen, we, <laughs> so there you go. we got 20 seconds left. And Ian, my friend, what a pleasure again to have you on the air. It's been way, way too long. We got to, we got to get back to it again, my man. Absolutely. It was great being here and seeing you again. And we missed you and all of that. And I'm uh, glad to be back. And to everyone out there, hello and thank you. And everyone go see From the Shadows. Yes, please go see From the Shadows. We will. We will. And, and Mike, I'd love to talk some radio with you sometime. Sure. Love it. Uh, I'll get your number for me. And, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much From the Shadows. And coming up next, Steve Stockton has a spooky story from among the missing and super duke returns with the cryptid report hot damn we're good tonight hot damn that's a that good show. Fun stuff. that was a lot of fun thanks yeah, it was a lot of yeah. fun yes uh ian uh, ian i am messaging you about my about my independent journalist and and reporter sure uh he'll have his name he could throw his name on there for you uh well cool all right uh i'm gonna bounce all right guys tomorrow's an early morning so uh thank you very much for having me on. it was a lot of fun and uh i will see you guys on tuesday tuesday yeah. all right gents <laughs> all right man Take thank you, you so much you guys day. appreciate Great you show. thank you take care okay bye bye all right what a great show a little bit different than what we normally do, but great nonetheless. Uh, guys, I'm going to go check on my boy, make sure he is fast asleep, and you guys just hang out for a couple of minutes. I'll be right back, okay?
He's fast asleep. It's all good. The roast turned out fantastic. I got great leftovers for tomorrow. I like Nickelback. Right there. Me and Area 51, we're going to rock out to Nickelback. Thank you, Jeffrey, Deb, and Mike for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. Here we go. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Here we go with the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America Digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Gastrosopher. Gastrosopher is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and check out our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go. Steve Stockton from Among the Missing has another spooky story for us. Hello friends, welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. Another common occurrence of Route 66 are UFO sightings and accompanying loss of time. There have been unexplained lights high in the sky that are either stationary or move too fast to be an airplane or helicopter. One story found a couple on their way home to Arizona from visiting family in Colorado. The lights appeared out of nowhere on a lonely, desolate stretch of Route 666. The husband was the first to notice. It stopped for fuel in Shiprock and it switched drivers because he was starting to get a headache. In the 1980s, Route 666 was just two lanes and treacherous. There were a lot of places to pass slower traffic, but it came at a risk of not seeing oncoming traffic that didn't have their headlights on or even speeders not paying attention. And there were the drunk drivers that caused a lot of accidents. White crosses dot both north and southbound where people have been killed by accidents on this highway. But on this night, 
this couple would see something that would change their lives forever. The lights came on one by one, and at first, the husband thought he was seeing stars. It's so dark out on this road, the stars are very bright and very visible. What is that? He recalled asking his wife as they cruised along. What? She replied. Those lights. Up there, he pointed toward the sky. I don't see anything, she said, half annoyed that he wanted her to take her eyes off the road to look. Pull over, he demanded. Why? She exclaimed. I'm tired and want to get home. She was clearly annoyed this time. They still had several hours of driving to do before their first stop on the way back to Tucson. Just pull over. He was getting annoyed too now. So she put her turn signal on and started to veer right. As the car came to the stop, he was already opening the door and getting out. Oh my God, come and look at this, Margaret. She rolled her eyes and opened the door. The warm desert air hit her as she stepped out of the air-conditioned car. Air conditioning was a luxury back then and a welcome one in this climate because even at night, the desert can be hot. What? What? What are you looking at, George? More annoyed than ever. These, he said as he pointed up. Where? She trailed off as she caught sight of them. Whoa, what are they? She was mesmerized with the lights and they seemed to change colors from shades of blue and pink to green to shades she'd never seen before. How is that even possible? She inquired. I don't know, but we better go. I don't have a good feeling about this, George said as he walked back to the car and got in. But his wife still stood there in a trance, swaying, almost pulsating with the light beams that were now drawn closer to them. Margaret, get in the damn car. She seemed to snap out of it, just long enough to turn and make eye contact with her husband right before she fainted. Shit, George exclaimed as he opened the door and went to get out, but realized he was still buckled in. Before he could get his seatbelt off and out of the car, Margaret was already up and running into the desert. Damn it, George yelled. Damn it. Margaret, stop! George called after, but she was gone in a shot. George returned to the car briefly to get a flashlight and grab the keys. He followed her shoe prints up to Boulder Field, where they stopped. Forgetting all about the lights at this point, he was worried about his wife. This was a time before cell phones, and there were no towns around for another hour at least. George didn't know what to do. He didn't want to just leave his wife out here, but he needed to go for help. After two hours of looking, and unsuccessfully so, he decided to leave in favor of getting help. On the way to the car, he pondered what he would say to the police. Hi, my name is George, and I saw a UFO and demanded my wife pull over where she passed out, and then the crazy woman went tearing off into the desert. No, he couldn't tell the whole truth. It sounded ridiculous. He didn't even know what he saw. Back at the car, he paused and looked out into the desert once more. Where could she have gone? He asked himself aloud. I was right on her heels. He climbed behind the wheel and pulled onto the road, south towards Gallup, New Mexico. He'd been on the road for about a half hour when a flash of color coming up on his left caught his eye. It was his wife, Margaret. She was walking down the middle of the road. George pulled up beside her and stopped. She didn't even seem to notice. She just kept walking, even after he shouted her name. He ran up to her and spun her around, and the look on her face scared him more than anything he had ever seen. She wasn't there. She was there physically, but the Margaret he loved and married, had children with, and the only woman he had ever loved was literally gone inside. The lights were on, but nobody was home. He ushered her to the car and buckled her in, made his way to Gallup and turned towards Arizona. 
Driving straight through, he made it to their home by the next evening. Margaret had slept the whole way. He put the car in park, glanced over to still sleeping Margaret, and shut the car off. George felt awful. It was all his fault. He had been the one that insisted she pull the car over and wouldn't listen when she initially said no. He unlocked the door to their home and returned to the car to retrieve his wife. She was awake now and asking if they were in Colorado. No, honey, he replied. We're home. Margaret began to cry. Huge tears streamed down her face. Don't make me go back there, she begged. Where, he asked. With those people, Margaret stammered. They hurt me, and they talked to me with their minds. It hurt, George. It hurt. Well, you don't have to go back. You're going to stay right here with me where you're safe and loved. George felt worse than ever. He took her inside and laid her down on their bed. The answering machine blinked with several messages. Family, no doubt, George thought to himself. Probably worried that they didn't call them this morning. He was just too exhausted to return calls right now. He'd take care of it tomorrow. He laid down next to Margaret, holding her soft hand, and quickly fell asleep. Ugh, I need Tylenol, George thought to himself as he rolled out of bed the next morning. He could have sworn he heard knocking, but laid there for a few minutes and heard nothing else. Tap, tap, tap. There it was again. It was knocking. Then he heard, Tucson Police Department. Anyone home? George made haste to the door and was met with two young officers, one looking in their car and one at the door. Uh, can I help you, officer? Yeah, we received a wellness check call for George and Margaret Reed. Are you George? Yes, but I don't understand why you're here. We got home last night, a day earlier than we'd planned. We were both tired, George went on to explain. So we came in and laid down. I fell asleep. Is Ms. Reed here? The officer asked. Yes, replied George. May we see her? Of course, George led the officer to the bedroom where Margaret was still sleeping. Ms. Reed? The officer shook her. Margaret opened her eyes and rolled over. Yes. Are you okay? Yes. Okay. The officer stepped back. Glasses. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing. And so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. See T-Mobile.com. George, and looking skeptical but satisfied that they were okay, started for the door. 
Oh, you guys might want to call your daughter. She's the one that called us for a wellness check. She said she hadn't heard from y'all in five days. Five days, thought George. Um, okay, officer, thank you. Now, the Reeds did a few interviews and wrote a book about the story and experience under a different name. Then they fell back into obscurity and asked for their privacy. This was six months after their first interview. Big thank you to Steve Stockton for warming us up in hour number three with a great, great show on Among the Missing about the hauntings of Route 66 and the UFOs that are there. All right. If you want more like that, just go to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and you can download his shows for free. All right. From the Missing to the Mysterious in the Mountains of Montana, it is the return of the man, the myth, the cryptid legend. From World Bigfoot Radio, here's Super Duke. Big man, Super Duke. It's been a long, long summer without you, my man. But it's good to have you back, at least for a brief moment. That's right. I'm back. I'm, uh, once again, more understandable than Ozzy, more alive than Lemmy, and with better hair than Dave Mustaine. Oh, yeah, I'm back, baby. And it's been a busy summer. Been out in the field a lot, doing lots of Bigfoot field research and uh, working on putting together the big um documentary that i'm either going to be releasing the end of this month or sometime early in october that we recorded in nebraska last spring and uh again somebody else on the show tonight that's got a movie coming out (laughs) i can guarantee this will be the greatest spaghetti western bigfoot documentary ever made because so far it's the only one But interestingly, it will be previewed in a big movie theater, gigantic brand-new HD screen with awesome brand-new sound at the uh, same venue where we're going to be having the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference this spring. So Dave's going to be there to see it. Can't wait, buddy. Cannot wait. So what did you find? What are you you hiding from us? Which time? (laughs) No, I've been showing everything. I mean, uh, all the regular viewers of my channel know every month I'm putting out a field research video. And as soon as we got back from uh, the Nebraska conference, it was, you know, spring, kind of almost quit snowing. So we got out there and started doing things. And the May report actually got a, um, we think it's a track. I've shown it to a bunch of people. They've looked at the video. I've asked them, please debunk this, because <laughs> frankly, I don't want it to be a track. But so far, nobody has, including people that should know, because they also find Bigfoot tracks. And so we found this 31-inch track. And this was in a gravel road in an old abandoned ghost town. And the gravel road, of course, having been there and compacted for now going on 140 years, should be pretty stable. It still gets vehicles driving across it. And whatever this was, when it stepped in, it left an indentation about two inches deep. So it had tremendous weight. And then we promptly found some much smaller Bigfoot tracks uh, around the area, about 18 inches. 
and we've been going back up to the same area for most of the summer now and filming. Uh, this has been the summer of tracks for me. I probably found more tracks this summer than I have any other year being out in the field and some really big whopper ones too. There's one big male that's uh, hanging around on the mountaintop that we've been doing most of our research on this summer that leaves 22 inch, 21, 22 inch tracks. So uh, he's freaking ginormous, <laughs> at least 12 feet tall. Also extremely heavy because we found like two or three good tracks from him. And every single time they were on this uh, substrate that was completely dried out, baked hard like a piece of clay. And so in, in order to leave any impression on it, you would have to be colossally heavy. And hey, he was. So <laughs> he left a couple of nifty, really scary tracks for us. And then um, in June, of course, I had I got one of my uh, bucket list items taken care of when I had Kelly Shaw, Rocky Mountain Sasquatch, uh, did his, you know, every couple, two, three years, he comes up here to Montana and runs around all the areas he's gotten reports from, films, field reports. And this time he got a hold of me because I've been pestering him since I've had him on the show a couple times about, hey, the next time you come up to Montana, why don't you just get a hold of me? I'll take you to a hot spot. I will give you the maximum chance to find tracks and or film a Bigfoot. So he, he uh, put up or shut up. He uh, he called me one one Monday afternoon and went, hey, I'm around. Uh, you, you got time to go out now? And I'm like, hell yeah. It's my day off. My boss gave me the day off. And he said, your boss gave you the day off? And I'm like, yeah, I'm my own boss. I just gave me the day off. Let's go. So we went and took off up again to the same ghost town. And this time we walked down this trail down the mountain that we hadn't been on before. And that's, you know, one of the keys when you get in an area where you know they're around, keep checking out the area, see where they're hanging out. And we just got lucky when we were going down this, uh, it was on a really steep hillside, basically cut into it. It would have been extremely difficult to go down or up the hill from this road, old abandoned roadbed. And it's literally abandoned. They've got a gate that closed it off. And it says up by there, uh, no motor vehicle access, elk calving area. Well, you know, where there's elk calves, there's hungry Sasquatch. So we decided that was a good place to go check. So we walked down there about a mm, quarter mile. And then um, we got to the point where uh, it was kind of a long straightaway. And I got in ahead of Kelly and Jenny and gotten around the curve and was filming off the edge of the mountain. You can see like 50 miles. And they said, hey, we found something. So I turned around and went back up there. And sure enough, they found something. There was a trackway going uphill in this gravel bed uh, of 19-inch tracks. And they found like seven or eight of them going up the hill. And then on further examination, we found there was another one that had come down the same embankment and it went down the other side of the roadbed and also left 19-inch tracks. And it was so steep, we didn't even want to try and go down it mm. to see where this thing went to. It was digging its feet into the hillside going down. Uh, so we documented that. And then a couple, two, three weeks later, me and Johnny were up there and went, okay, we're going to check out both these places. We're going to go up that ridge line and see where that one went to. And then we're going to go down in that gully and see where the other one went to, or maybe it's the same one, both 19-inch trackways. So... We went up on, and we had to work our way way around to get up on top of this ridge line. And it was really, there was only one access to it. The ridge line was maybe only about 50, 60 feet across, about 150, 200 feet long, extremely steep on all sides. 
And the one side where you could actually get up it pretty easily was all blocked with fallen trees. And as a matter of fact, there was game trails in there that were blocked off with fallen trees. So when we got up there, we were very surprised to find that it was full of cow duty and cow tracks and lots of little Sasquatch tracks. A little like how? how somebody had managed to herd these cows up there is beyond me. I can't see them wanting to go there for some reason. But the fact that all the cow tracks had these 16-inch and down size-wise Sasquatch tracks around them, too. Clearly, most of them obliterated by the, the cows wandering around. So all we could figure out is the little ones are up there playing with the cows. Hmm. And, yeah, there's free-range cattle up there in Demdare Mountains in this area in particular. So whenever you're walking down a trail and you see some big thing moving, you can first assume it's a cow before you start thinking it's anything else. And generally it is just a cow. So when we went down the ravine, again, you couldn't go down the embankment that thing had walked down. It was just too steep. So we had to go way up to where it actually met the curve in the road and work our way down the actual bottom of the ravine until we were parallel to where it had come down. And you could still see its trackway from like two weeks before because it dug up the hillside going down it so bad. And me and Kelly Shad both assumed that what was going on is at the base of this ravine, there was probably water. There was like a little creek or something, right? No. <laughs> There's no water down there. What there was was a game path going up the far side of it, an obvious game path. There didn't seem to be anyone on uh, on the side we were on. So clearly, and his trackway was heading right for it. He was just going down that embankment so he could get to that game path and zip up the other side, quick shortcut, and that's what was going on to that one. But, yeah, we've been finding them all over the place. When I was up there with Kelly, we heard two whoops when we were just coming down to that area. There was this one turn in the trail where it split, and we heard a whoop from one direction and a whoop from the other one right away. And the two sentinels were like, hey, human's coming. Got it. <laughs> you know. Uh, so that was really fun. And then while he was up here with me, we were over in the new area over on the side of the mountain that we hadn't really reconned a lot. And while him and Jenny were walking through there, they heard a whoop. So he turned on the camera and started filming as he was walking. And after he put out that piece of video, uh, a bunch of people on his channel pointed out to him and said, hey, there's something in the background there moving. So he took a look at it, and sure enough, it looks like he has two objects back there, mysteriously Sasquatch-shaped, that were moving around as he was walking past them. So in the August report that I just put out, we've got the comparison video right at the very beginning of it, Kelly's video where he captures these unknown objects, and uh, the comparison video me and Johnny shot from the exact same spot, same time of day, same sky conditions as when Kelly was there, to make it as exactly the same as possible. And you can clearly see when you're looking at the video that I shot that, which, by the way, is clearer and better video than Kelly got with his camera, those objects are not there. <laughs> so whatever it was, those were live objects that since moved away and are not there in that frame of shot on that camera. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and like I told Kelly, I said, uh, you know, I can't guarantee that we're going to see any Sasquatch or anything, but I can pretty much guarantee we are going to find tracks because every time we come up here, we find tracks. There's a whole bunch of different sized individuals living up there. And yeah, we found a ton of tracks that day, but you know, his favorite part of the whole thing was finding that <laughs> two trackways of 19 inch tracks left by a huge adult, you know? So that was really fun. 
And then um, subsequent to that, we were up there a bunch of times in uh, July and August. There's reports for all this stuff for each month that we put out. Last month, we caught a bunch of possibles on there. Uh, Bama Bigfoot, Joyce Gray pointed out one. Uh, Robin thinks she found another one. I spotted something that just kind of moved in the background, but it's just a black object that moves, so you can't tell what it is. So that's kind of not really worth doing anything with. But there was a couple other ones that looked like definitely could be Sasquatch, and we already went back and shot the comparison video for them. So we'll put that out sometime this month, and we'll just have a debunkathon where we'll have the originals, and then we'll have the comparison video, and we'll compare and decide if there was something there or if it was just a trick of light and shadow. Wow. One minute to go before we got to go to break here. How close were these creatures to you at this occasion? Well, uh, when we were up there last month, we had a cattle stampede in camp. There was about 35 cows, and we're literally on top of a mountain, Dave. It's downhill in every direction, and we're up there, and here's all these cows show up in the middle of the night, and we're like, okay, that's a little peculiar. Why are suddenly there's 35 cows sneaking into camp, hanging around with us? And then behind us, we heard, snap, and all of a sudden the cows went, and beat, you know what, out of camp, down the hill, away from us. And about 20 minutes later, when I went to get in my tent and go to sleep, I got a wall of Sasquatch stank over there. And Johnny thinks he saw one sneaking around camp going that direction. So we're pretty sure what spooked the cows. No kidding. Super Duke, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. We're going to continue with Super Duke's great trek into the forest of Montana looking for the big Wookiee we call Sasquatch. Yeah, Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. We got him back after a summer hiatus, but his adventures continue next week. We will be back with more Spaced Out Radio, the final half hour, when we return right after this. Stay tuned. Good job, Dookie Poo. I'm forgetting about all kinds of stuff. Time for Dookie Poo to have quick Siggy time. Yeah, you go ahead, dude. And, uh, hey, um, you can do a world premiere here with one of those clips that I sent you. Okay. They're about two and a half minutes. It's all music <clears throat> you can use on YouTube. And uh, Blaine Tyler is the only member of our team that was actually on your show already. So I recommend show his because I have not shown that to anyone anywhere yet. Well, let me uh, see if we can bring so, it me, me go have signal. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dave. I'm just hanging out here. How are you guys? McDonald's smooth regular. I thought your uh, your roller derby team name was the Piano Key Tie Synthesizers. Rolling out to some music from Herbie Hancock. 
What the hell are you still doing up there, Cherry Pepsi Mike? Isn't it like five hours past your bedtime? Or are you still trying to find a clean shirt for tomorrow? The Doug Shelby is exiting the chat room. Uh, No, I don't have a movie coming out. We have shot some film. That's what I could say. Allegedly, it's in editing, and we're going to see where it goes. Mustard stains all over the hospital scrubs. A little bit of Heinz 57 just dribbling down the stomach. Hey, Super Duke. Super back. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you see my new trinket I got? No. I ran into this guy up on top of the mountain during his thunderstorm. He was picked a fight with me, kicked his ass. He had his big mallet. Nice. I got this one. On my vacation. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Yeah. All right, Duke. Uh, we got like 10 seconds. Thank you, Jeffrey, Deb, and Mike for the super chats. Rob G, go message Ian on the chat I set up. Here we go. Here we go with the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. We're going to get right to Super Duke. Super Duke. Super Duke. The Cryptid Report with Super Duke. I'm excited you're back, man. What can I say? 
Uh, it's fun to be back again. You know, I wish I could say I'm back permanently, but we are, <laughs> we aren't having a fire season this year. And so the weather is really good for as long as we don't have a fire season. That means you can have a campfire so you don't freeze to death at night when it's in the teens. Yep. They so just... even when it's raining, that sort of enables us to continue to camp for a while yet. So we're going to see how much more we can get out there. We're going up to the main area probably next time. And uh, we're actually going to make a little foray right up the mountain here. Right behind me, there's a research area I hardly ever go to. And they're usually up there, too. I haven't even been up there for two, three years. So we're going to go check that out either tomorrow or the next day. And I got my new uh, research partner now who doubles as my roommate, <laughs> which is convenient. And he just moved in here and found out that I was into Bigfoot research and went, oh, that sounds like fun. And I'm like, well, it is. you're pure, pure-blooded native. And he's like, oh, yeah, we got all kinds of stories and stuff. And I said, do you ever seen a Bigfoot? And he's like, well, no. And I said, have you ever seen any kind of weird things? And he goes, oh, yeah, I saw the little people. And I'm like, well, you got me beat. <laughs> I, I you actually... saw the, the little people? No, he saw three little people. And it's fairly close. This season, your coffee orders are getting warmer and your outfits are getting cozier. The world keeps changing. And so does COVID-19. That's why this season's COVID-19 shots have been updated. They're one of the best ways to help protect yourself against COVID-19. You can get a COVID-19 shot at the same visit as a flu shot if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Talk to your healthcare provider to learn more and schedule at vaccines.gov. And don't forget to get extra cinnamon spice. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years. Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want. Every year or every two, you decide. At T-Mobile, you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade. All on America's largest 5G network. Visit T-Mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades. One-year upgrade on Go 5G Next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six-plus months with 50% paid off. Upgrade ends financing and any promo credits. CTMobile.com. Strange, so got me beat. I will be going for a coffee this weekend. I had a, a thanks to a local member of our RCMP uh, who um, deals a lot with our First Nations community. He actually had one of the First Nations elders contact me about aliens, Bigfoot, astral travel, and little people. And the elder and I are going to go for a coffee this weekend. I'm going to try and find some hot spots. See if he'll take me and show me. Very cool. Oh, yeah. We have one thing that we caught on video last month that Johnny got. And we're having trouble figuring out where he filmed it. But now that we've eliminated other places, we think it's down this one ravine that we kept hearing noises from. We heard whoops, whistles, wood knocks, all coming from this one direction on several times that we were there. So this one time we went down there to see what we could find. And they may be down there, but you can only go down it so far, and then it's fenced off, and it's all private property. 
again, more cow pasture. So in Montana, you don't cross over fences because they will kill you, and it's legal. So you don't cross over fences. And, of course, as soon as we found the fence line, then there's a game trail going along the edge of the ridge uh, from this valley that we were walking in. And we're going back up to where the road bed is because we got no choice. We can't go over the fence line. We got to go up high enough to get to where the road is again. And on our way up there, there's a game trail going across it. And what's on the game trail? All oh, 12 or 13 inch juvenile Sasquatch track coming out of the cow area, going up toward where we were at. So they're like, yeah, well, you know, thanks for the hints of where you guys are at, but we can't go down in there. Now, when we looked at the video after the fact, we didn't find any Bigfoot in there, but Johnny got something that's it's in this area with a whole bunch of uh, little hillocks, and one of them is just covered with grass, and there's something behind it that's peeking over the top of it, and it's not a Sasquatch. It's got a round, bulbous, whitish-gray head with big black eyes on each side, and it actually moves while he's got it on camera. And I showed it to Robin, and she said, well, yeah, it's, it's putting out energy like it's an alien. So, okay, wonderful. So that's the only one we haven't gotten a comparison shot for. Everything that looked like a Sasquatch, we knew where that was pretty much, and we got all the comparison video for that. So that was pretty creepy. But, you know, we've gotten dogmen on video up in that area before too, and you don't don't expect to run into them or think they're going to be hanging around by camp or anything. Uh, was that like two years ago we were up there? We, we got up there late. And it was like almost dark when we were setting up camp. And uh, one of us just, it was me actually, took the camera and went, well, here's camp and slowly panned around it. And there's a dog man about 40 feet away standing between these two trees watching us set up camp. No way. We didn't, see him. we didn't see him. Robin noticed it later. What'd that look like? Well, it was really creepy after you, you know, way after the fact when you see it's there. This is how I've actually caught him on video like three times now, and this is the way it happens every single time. I don't see him when I'm there. And then I go back and look at the video, and it's like, oh, great. Now there was a dog man there. Wonderful. Not something I want to be running into. No, not at all. Not at all. That's just kind of eerie. Very creepy. So anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you in the flesh finally in Nebraska this coming spring. And like I said, we'll be uh, doing the big screen debut of inevitably finding Bigfoot, Nebraska, potentially part one, <clears throat> while you're there. And we're trying to arrange it so Dave can be part of the team that actually is uh, involved in inevitably finding Bigfoot too. Because mm -hmm. unlike the show that we're poking fun at, we're going to actually have a different lineup every time. There's only going to be one person from the state we're doing the actual boots-on-the-ground expedition in. Everybody else has to be from somewhere else. Them's the rules, and we're sticking with them. And this year we had Blaine Tyler with us. He will probably be with us again next year, and it would be also cool to have another Canadian member, which would be Dave Scott. And uh, like I said, this year we, our lineup, we had five people. We had me and uh, Viking Ashton from my team up here in Montana. And then we had Christy Sci-Fi from Louisiana, Blaine Tyler from up there in the Canadian Shield in Northeast Ontario, and the local man, the uh, leg man and the anchor man for this expedition is Richard Soule from the Knox Gigas Project. Knox Gigas is Latin for night giants. And he's heavily involved in all the academic side of all this stuff and some of the more peculiar uh, 
attributes and he does a lot of information trading with the russian scientists dmitry bayanov recently deceased dr igor Burtsev, all those guys and uh his, the team he likes to go out with the red squatch and guys barry webster and those guys and he also has his own you know research areas that he goes out to and one of the things they do a lot of is nighttime uh, again not gigas night giants nighttime stuff which you know i'm out there camping at night but i'm staying in camp these guys go out for walks in the dark and they don't have lights yeah, that's bigger balls than I got. No, but they're getting they're getting weird things like eye glow because they're doing this. They get a chance to actually film it and prove that it's real. Not me. No, not me, Super Duke. Not doing that. Going out in the forest without a flashlight. I understand why. Yeah. <clears throat> totally understand why. Just not well, doing it depends it. on how lit up it, it it is. If there's like a full moon, you know, or a nice open sky with lots of starlight, where you can actually see the ground and not trip and fall and kill yourself, I'll walk around in the dark a little bit. But I'm not wandering that far from camp, and it's you know, partially it's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. If you're you know if you're near camp, you're fairly safe. If there's other big things wandering around, and you get a campfire, they're probably not coming into camp. But as soon as you walk away off into the dark. You know, son, you're on your own. And if you haven't got two or three other people with you, you're really on your own. And even with people with you, Richard was out with a couple other folks, and they're walking through the dark. And he's got the audio recording of it, again, because it's dark. They don't have lights on. You can hear something runs by and, like, basically slaps his jacket as it runs past him. You can hear the footsteps, and you can hear it hand or, you know, whatever limb it's swatting his jacket with as it goes past. And everybody was there, heard it, nobody saw it. It's completely dark. <laughs> like some just ran across a trail in between us and swatted the back of my jacket. What was that? Well, their, you know, hypothesis, it was a young Sasquatch. It was counting cool on him. Because, you know, here's how easy it is for me to catch you, human swat. <laughs> I just jumped in between you guys, swatted you, and you didn't even see me. Wow. But they got it on audio. Were you able to catch... The Sasquatch on film a lot this summer? Well, like I said, we got some here this last month that we, we've already got the uh, comparison video for that we're going to show and let everybody make their determinations what they think on that. Uh, I'm not 100% on any of them. A couple of them I'm leaning toward probably are, and several of them are like, well, uh, maybe not. But see, that's the problem with stationary objects. If they're just sitting in one place and somebody points it out and goes, hey, what's that in the background? Well, that does look like something. I got to go back and shoot a comparison piece of video mm-hmm. from the same spot, same light conditions. Is it still there? Well, if it is, let's zoom in. Is it a stump, you know? Is it a root ball, uh, you know, tangle of brush? What's making this thing? Right. I can tell you one of the things that we found in August, we were driving by from the road, it looked like this awesome asterisk structure. We got it on video. And now when we went back there and looked at it, it's not an asterisk structure at all. When you get up closer, you can see all the parts aren't actually connected. And the one part where the butt end of the tree is up in the air, which is usually a good indicator, and it's facing away from the road. Well, when you get to the other side of it, you can see it's because somebody chainsawed it. Really? And when the top of the tree flopped down, it just caught in that position. So it's, you know, upside down sort of. But it's totally man-made, and the rest of it's like 
Not, it doesn't even exist. It was an optical illusion. Even as you're driving by from all the angles that you're looking at, it still looked like, well, is that a big asterisk? It sure looks like it. But when you got, walk back in there and look at it, and that's why it's so important to actually do that follow-up because stuff that may look like it actually is something, you got to go back and verify, is it still there? What is this? You know, me and Mike found that a lot where we would see X structures be up on hill, hillside or something, and I'm like, I'm too old. I'm not walking all the way up there. I might go check it out. And he'd get close enough that he could go back and forth and see if there was a parallax. Are those two trees actually touching each other, or are they just laying down and it looks like they're touching each other? Right. And when you get close enough up on them, you can see, you know, whether they are or not. If they're actually touching each other, then it's like, okay, I'm walking all the way up there. We got to check these out because this is incredibly freaking suspicious. You know. Right. You uh, brought a video along of Blaine Tyler. Yeah, let me set this up. I got the, uh, as it says in my header, I am the director of Inevitably Finding Bigfoot, which is the, uh, as I earlier proclaimed, greatest spaghetti western Bigfoot documentary ever. If nothing else, by sole virtue of the fact that it is the only spaghetti western Bigfoot documentary ever. And it's also a satire because we're poking fun at Finding Bigfoot. And the idea of the video here, before you start it, is that uh, uh, we, we're, again, we're doing something similar to what Finding Bigfoot is doing. And instead of the team they assembled, I'm handpicking everybody that are actual Bigfoot researchers and really good ones. So totally stacking the deck. And there's, there's five of us, and there's one local guy on the team. And our objective is given one day to go out in Nebraska. Everybody knows how squatchy Nebraska is, right? It's not. You don't think of Nebraska and connect it mentally with Bigfoot. Uh, but they are there. So that, that may have been a little bit of a problem. It gave us a little bit more difficulty. Uh, okay, now we got to find one in one of these states where they're not that easy to find. But, again, we had our ground man there, Richard Soule, from the Knox Gigas Project. It was absolutely amazing. And by the time all was said and done, and we had to drive two hours drive from where the actual conference was at in order to get to where the nearest Bigfoot area was at and meet Richard there. And when he got there, it turned out he only had three hours. So we got to go to two local areas with about a half an hour drive in between them. That was it. So less than three hours, boots on the ground. We did manage to actually find tons of Bigfoot evidence. And then when we came back to the museum that night, we got a visit from two of them. Christy Sci-Fi got a really nice picture of them, and we got a comparison video of that from the next day. So 100% successful, and uh, again, that's why it's called Inevitably Finding Bigfoot, because we did. And the show also includes what happened afterwards when we all went back home to our boring normal lives and what that means. So part of the fun of this is that since because of the settings and stuff where this was filmed and where we drove through and everything, I decided I would set it to a 70s spaghetti western soundtrack, which I can totally get away with. And it's also kind of like a documentary of a spaghetti western movie, uh, but that's a Bigfoot documentary because in some ways it's uh, like the prequel to it is A Fistful of Mountain Men. That's where me and Ashton come from Montana and drive there. Right. And then there's three other segments that are the introducing the other characters on the team. Uh, one of them we're about to show is with Blaine Tyler. Then there's the actual guts of the movie where having assembled the team, the, uh, the whole <laughs> the group of Bigfoot desperados known as the Wild Man Bunch, Together, they now have their impossible mission of finding a Bigfoot in Nebraska in one day. And that's the whole mission. 
And then afterwards, it's like, okay, everybody goes back home again. And there's little outro segments for that. But like in The Magnificent Seven, in order to have the movie, you have to first introduce all the characters and show why they're magnificent right. and what things they're really good at. And so there's a little segment for each, everybody like that. This is the clip in particular for Blaine Tyler, who's been a guest on this show before. He's absolutely freaking amazing. And the section he's got of what he found after he got home is maybe even more amazing than this. And he did it within like two months of getting back again. I'm like, I'm super jealous. I hate you, Blaine. Thanks for being on my team. <laughs> uh, I find way more tracks than you do, but you get everything <laughs> else way more than I do. Perfect. <laughs> Well, so we're, anyway, we're, running out of, we're, we're running out of time here. Let's so, let's run it here. It's only like two, three minutes, so it's four minutes. Four minutes. Okay, here, here we, we go. go. screen right now joe pay attention for our podcast audience duke maybe go through some of these pictures showing a lot of pictures that blaine has taken static pictures of bigfoot in different areas up in uh, ontario and the dramatic music in the background as we're going through all of them doing this uh, slideshow of incredible pictures that he's managed to capture of these big guys And if you're wondering what they look like, you can always come back and watch this again on YouTube, and you can see it for the first time. Right now they're showing a 22-inch track. Excuse me, 21. Nine inches wide, three inches deep. And that's Wayne's ordinary, boring life in Ontario. And now he goes from his uh, show, The Bigfoot Barn Show, Heads on down to the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference. And there's me. Super Duke! Super Duke! And there's Blaine flying on down. His first time on an airplane. And his first time coming into the U.S. There he's standing next to a cutout of Bob Gimlin. There's Robin and Harriet. There's Forrest, helping him get beer. One of those things you need if you're Canadian. Christy's standing in front of a full-size Bigfoot mock-up. Blaine got to meet with uh, Keith Crabtree, the Boggy Creek Monster. It's a picture of that. And also with William Lunsford. Nice. There's a place where we had the presentation at. Much smaller than next year's venue, where you'll be, Dave. And here's me pointing to some Bigfoot's eyes it's on the screen. Super new there. Super new wild man. The wild man bunch, or the magnificent four and a half, as I like to call us. For those of you that are watching, you will get the visual humor on that. 
How come there's no super in front of your name on that photo? I'm just dude. There's Richard. <clears throat> and Vikings. And we are actually standing in one of the locations that we filmed it at, and we found stuff there. Oh boy, did we found some giant structures in that place. Oh my god. Huge. Here we are afterwards, we've got everything all done. Wayne's having a beer with Bigfoot. There's a, uh, this is Kitty's Roadhouse in, uh, in the town where the uh, conference happens. And after the conference, we all went there and had steak dinner and beer. And there's everybody sitting around the table, including Vikings. And behind us, the Sasquatch himself wearing his undefeated world champion hide-and-seek t-shirt and holding a trophy for his saying in his hand. And there's the team. Beautiful. Except for Richard. Beautiful. Super Duke, we got uh, about a minute and a half left with you tonight. And uh, good to have you back on the show, dude. Very good to have you back on the show. I think Robin will be back again Tuesday filling in for me next week because, once again, I will be up in the mountains hanging around with the Bigfoot trying to get more cool video. <laughs> it's my job. It's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. We appreciate it, my man. We appreciate it. So thank you so much, my man. Tell everybody where they can find World Bigfoot Radio. 20 seconds. World Bigfoot Radio on YouTube, Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey, and support groups are on Facebook and MeWe. You can find me at World Bigfoot Central. Love it. Super Duke, thanks for a great show, bud. Appreciate you coming on in, and a big thank you to Ian, Mike, Mike, and the legendary Keith David for coming on Spaced Out Radio, talking about From the Shadows. How bloody cool was that? Having Keith on the show. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It is uh, pretty damn cool to have that opportunity to have such a legend in the uh, acting guild come on Spaced Out Radio. Very much appreciated. Hey, let's uh, start to wrap this thing up as we are right at that time. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter, or X, at Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. Take us home. 
Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them too. Good night. AT&T and Verizon lure you in with their best phone offers, only to lock you into a three-year phone contract. Three years! Missing out on the latest, greatest phones because you're trapped by your carrier. Not at T-Mobile. Break free from three-year phone contracts with our best Go 5G plans and say goodbye to being stuck with an outdated phone. Now, with T-Mobile's best Go 5G plans, upgrade when you want every year or every two you decide at t-mobile you have more choice than ever to take charge of your upgrade all on america's largest 5g network visit t-mobile.com now to take charge of your phone upgrades one-year upgrade on go 5g next requires financing new qualifying device and upgrading in good condition after six plus months with 50 percent paid off upgrade ends financing and any promo credits ctmobile.com Hmm, how many carbs are in this cheeseburger? I think it's 15 grams for a slice of bread. How many carbs are in these fries? Take a break with the Minimed 780G insulin pump system. You don't need to be exact with carb counts. Your best guess is good enough. Visit MedtronicDiabetes.com slash 780G system to learn more. Systems for people with type 1 diabetes age 7 and over. Prescription required. Warning, do not use SmartGuard feature for people who require less than 8 units or more than 250 units of insulin a day. See bit.ly slash 780G risks.